Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, you know the show, you know the host, you know the co-host, Laev, Fontegalo, Sugar Steve, Broke-Ass Bill, say hello. Hey! Right, 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 what up, right, what up? Right. All right, All right. let's just get this out the way, because miracles like this Let's don't... get in! <laughs> this miracles. is why this show was invented, for exactly. guests like this. like this never. <laughs> it was once in a blue moon. What can I say about our guest today? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will simply state... Uh, we do not deserve this guest at all. He possesses what I personally believe to be one of the most flawless tenor voices in modern music. As a songwriter, as an arranger, as a producer, as a performer, as an entertainer, our guest, I don't believe that he has any singing peer whatsoever. And if he does, they have his last name. That's all I'm saying. Even as he approaches the uh, golden age of 60 this June, he has not lost a step. He's in fine form since when we first heard him over 40 years ago fronting his siblings. Uh, please give us the honor of welcoming and giving flowers. Yes, there, flowers. You, go. there you go. Flowers. Yes. To the one and only Eldra DeBarge to Quest Love Supreme. Yes. I cannot believe I said that. Thank yes. You. Look at me, Mama. I made it. Flowers. <laughs> Hello, uh, L. How are you? I'm great after that. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> I, didn't know, I, didn't know, I didn't know I was approaching 60, Emma. <laughs> no, you're you don't not. look it. You don't look it at all, man, for you, real. You, yeah, you're I not. I never think about it, really. I never think about it. It doesn't feel like it. Oh, good. But yeah, I, guess- I, I, I have to get out the, the habit of acknowledging numbers. Like, I feel like that is what slows slows us down when we start <laughs> thinking in terms of numbers. Oh, I mean, yeah, we, we've been doing that for centuries. We we peg people, we design people, we judge people by numbers, everything. Yeah, but no, you it's it's this is wonderful to speak with you. Uh, you know, I I don't know if you know the history of of this particular show, but we're we're really about celebrating uh, your achievements and um, 
you know, going through the journey of your life as a creative and, and, and all those things. So I will start at the beginning. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not asking where he's born because I know you were born in Detroit, <laughs> correct? Detroit, yeah, Detroit, Michigan. Well, okay. Can you, cause I know that your family moved to Grand Rapids. What is the difference between Grand Rapids uh, and Detroit? Oh, uh, well, today, not much because uh, Grand Rapids has gotten very, very, very seriously. Well, that's just, just a lot more violence than it was when I was coming up. But right. in the 70s, my mother wanted us to stay in Grand Rapids, Michigan, because Detroit, you know, if you know about Detroit, it was kind of rough on us being half breeds, half black and half white. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of criticism from, uh, actually a lot of, gotten a lot of fights from both sides, from the whites and the blacks. So right. Grand Rapids was a lot easier on us. And uh, we went there to go to school. But every year during the summer, we were back in Detroit anyway, so because that's where most of our relatives was. What year did you move to Grand Rapids? I mean, see, I was like eight years old. Let's see, uh, hmm, I was born in 61. Let's do the math. <laughs> see, like so around 69, 70. So do you have any uh, memories of like at least Detroit, like post-riot, because, you know, not many people under, understand or know that, I mean, a big part of Motown uh, migrating to the West and kind of what Detroit once represented, a lot of that sort of uh, vanished after the Detroit riots that people aren't aware of, even though like a movie was made about it uh, a couple of years ago. But do you have any memories of, of the time during during that period in your life? Yeah, I was young myself. I think I was roughly around eight or nine years old when riots happened. Um, I remember stepping outside. We, we used to go outside every chance we got as kids. I stepped outside one day and the people were fighting in the streets and cars were driving up on the sidewalk trying to run people over. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, then my brother Bobby grabbed me and pulled me back in the house. He said, it's a riot. Martin Luther King got shot. I remember it very well. Very well. I was. I. I don't ever remember being that scared in my life because it was crazy. I was looking. You can imagine being eight years old, seeing something like that. Seeing that, yeah. I got a lot of fond memories too about about Detroit and my Grand Rapids. It's where I got my musical education. My most of my influences. I have gospel influences too. I don't talk about them a lot. But uh, Andre. Oh Crump- no, we hear, we can hear it in the intro to "Love Me in a Special Way." We heard the gospel. <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> That's true. Huh? That's true. Yeah, I mean, I was strongly influenced by Andre Crouch and uh, Walter Hawkins. Do you remember your first musical memory? My first musical memory. Actually, you want to hear this? Yes. 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 We we love mm-hmm. long drawn out stories on the show. Like, okay, there's no such right. like fireside chat stuff. That's what we live for. Okay. Well, my mother. Um, every time we moved to a house, my mother had what you call a prayer closet. And she would pick one closet in the house, and it was hers. Nobody could go in there. And she uh, she would redecorate it. She had an altar in there, and she would kneel down and pray. My mother prayed from 12 midnight to 3 in the morning, every night, every night, as long, wow. as, long as I can remember. So, But one particular night, um, she got my brother Bobby out of bed mm-hmm. <laughs> in the morning. And I remember I was seven years old. I remember Bobby, his jaws was tight. He was mad. Mom, won't you give me help? So and, uh, he said, well, the Lord told me that Al's going to be a minister of music. So I want you to teach him a song. Now, this is a true story. 
So um, here we are both sitting at the piano and we had just got, a, um, we were real, real poor. We just got a, a upright piano donated to us mm-hmm. from some neighbors. And uh, cause my brother Bobby was the only one who played piano at the time. So here we are sitting at the piano. He said, Mary had a little laugh. Then he looked at me and said, now play it. (laughs) (laughs) So my mother said, just a minute, she had some anointing oil and she anointed my fingers and my hands with it. She said, now play it. And man, I started playing it. I started playing it in harmony. Was never taught. It just, I just saw it. I saw the notes in my, in my head. And I started playing it in harmony. He played it with one finger. I started playing it in harmony. I've been playing piano ever since. So you really? never had formal lessons. It was just teaching well, self-taught. I tried, to take lessons. I tried to take lessons, but by the time I did it, I had my ear had developed so well. Mm-hmm. I was playing by ear. They just sent me home and said, well, he's cheating. He's pretending like he's reading music. <laughs> <laughs> did Bobby give you so, another lesson? Yeah, Bobby gave me many lessons. Okay. Bobby Bobby was uh, like a mentor for me musically. He sharpened, well, he's shaping my musical taste. Um, he got me into Marvin Gaye, uh, Sly Stone, mm-hmm. um, Isaac Brothers, George Clinton. It was like that wide, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, then he would make me play songs and learn them. And um, I remember one time I played a song by Earth, Wind & Fire, and I played it exactly perfect, just like it was. And he slapped me upside my head. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what you do that for? He said, I didn't tell you to copy it. I said, play it like you, don't copy. <laughs> he was like, he was like really very meticulous in particular about what he wanted, which I'm glad about because that's mm-hmm. helped to shape in me, you know. Were you the first, besides your brother Bobby, were you the first of, of the family members to really catch on to music? No, 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 no. Uh, my sister Bunny, Brandy, I'm number seven down the line. So okay. Brandy, Marty, Tommy, Bunny, Deidre, Ellis, Chantel, Bobby. Those are all older than me. <laughs> okay, I see. I got it eventually. <laughs> um, Damn, I'm so overwhelmed. I literally forgot my No, next- I feel you. I, <laughs> I start holding my Wait skin. a minute. I had a good question, too. Damn. Um, do you remember <laughs> the first album that you purchased? Yeah, first album I purchased was Earth, Wind & Fire. Um, it was the All in All album. Really? Yeah, the one with the, you know, running, running, mm-hmm, running, yeah. yeah. That one on it, yeah. That's the first album I actually purchased. But my brother Bobby kept the albums with him and Bunny. They always, I was listening to their albums. They was always buying them. So. But you, the first one that you purchased was definitely All in All? That was yours? What is it about you always spoken about Maurice White being a musical hero of yours uh, in all of the interviews I've read, even before you worked with him in 92? What was it? What was it about his music that spoke to you? The feeling. It was just. Uh, it was the first time that I had heard any any band of musicians uh, stretch out like that. They. The horns and the. And um, the, the strings, I mean, it was just pretty, Quest. It was just so pretty. Mm. That, you know, the, uh, all the stuff they did in between. My ear was picking up right. all of that. And then he had, and then um, he just wouldn't stop. Each album, he just 
kept building and building and making everything larger. And it seemed like they were never going to uh, have a flop. They were just hit after hit after hit after hit. All this stuff, was, it just moved me like that. Really, and he was very, he was a very smart producer. I'm sure, you know that very yeah. very smart producer. Can you tell me of? I mean, besides your your family group, did you in your high school experiences or in your neighborhood experiences, did you have other groups that you were part of or bands or were you guys just like contained as a family doing stuff together? Well, no, I've always had other other um, groups that I was in, other bands that I was in. Um, see, my brothers basically. To be honest with you, okay, there's Randy, Marty, James, Chico, all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Music was like so natural for us. It, it was like you had to really make them sit down and practice because it came so easy for them. Mm-hmm. Like people who who need to develop something, uh, you'll see them spending more time trying to develop it. But it was like with them, you give them a note, they got it, bam, it's easy. So now they're on, they get bored with it really easy. So they would uh, be outside chasing the girls. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was always I was always very serious minded, even from a child. Uh, they used to call me professor because they said you're too serious, man. Be a child, be a kid. Mm-hmm. But I, I've always been like that. So I was always somewhere practicing, studying, rehearsing. I had to like make them do it, you know. And when once you get them in and you start teaching them notes, you get them into it. They're there. I mean, and honestly, I don't know anybody that harmonizes better than they do. I mean, my, I got to give it to them. They've been boys are bad, man. I'll give it to you. I'll give it I to mean, you. I'm talking about them, my brothers. Yeah. I know. I, I, yes. That, I mean, when I say I give it to you, I give it to you. <laughs> the DeBarge clan. I, I was curious, however, if other, like, do you, are you the type of creator or musician that, like, it's hard for me to listen to some people without, offering my notes inside my head or my I mean it's one thing to listen to a song as a fan but then it's another thing to listen to it and you start critiquing so like your thoughts on at least at the time like other groups that were closer to your age like were you aware of like what the five stair steps were doing or the silvers early incarnation of the silvers I mean the Jacksons are almost kind of because they were so ubiquitous it's almost like I don't know. They're they're more of an institution than I consider them just a singing group. But what were your thoughts on like other people around like younger acts at the time? I've always felt like different. Uh, I remember the Silvers uh, right. when we were coming up. I remember, of course, the Jacksons. I've always felt like uh, my style was was different. I was going somewhere else, but but you know, I know how to pull from this person and that person in different right. groups what I need. I was always thinking somewhere else. Uh, I mean, honestly, I just was. It was like I would listen to my peers, people that were my age who were um, in the entertainment business, but I found myself more so steering towards uh, older groups. Uh, it seemed like, I don't know, it was just I learned more. Mm. I mean, um, which was the reason why I had other groups that I was in even when I was uh, coming up. I wasn't always just singing with my family. I was always, there was a group I was in called Peacemakers, uh, another group in called God's Children of Harmony, mm-hmm. uh, a group called uh, TNT Flashers. We was, <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, but, now it's like, why Why was that the name? <laughs> That's such a name, right? That's something that one of the band members came up with. I don't know. 
I just went with it. But see, you got to remember, I was very young. Um, I started playing at seven years old. So I was, by the time I was 12 years old, I was playing in, in bars and clubs with my brother Bobby uh, in his groups. But I was in the background. Nobody knew I was there. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you gave your first public performance? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. It was it was mostly just me playing the piano and singing backgrounds behind Bobby, and and all in his groups, but for the most part. As a singer, would you say that? As a singer, would you say that your brother Bobby is like your your north star, your at least, and because your vocal textures are the same. But you know what, Quest? He, um, one thing that Bobby instilled in me, he. Um, was to be myself, be me, never get lost in, in whatever influences you. Uh, make sure it becomes a part of who you already are and mm-hmm. not consume you. So because of that, um, I mean, I could say Marvin Gaye and really be honest about it, and, and Bobby, and Maurice White, Andrew Crouch, Hawkins, Sly Stone, the Bee Gees, <laughs> all right. of these. Oh, wow. I, mean, I made all of these my mentor because I got into every single one of them. Just one, just as much as the other. Well, eventually, I know you guys had to migrate out west. <laughs> How did the the whole process start in getting, at least with your your brother getting Jermaine Jackson's attention and all that stuff? Like, how did <laughs> I guess the the move to Motown? How did how did where was the first step that went out there? No, I'm laughing because you said migrate. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> so many of us, it's like I can just see a whole tribe of us. <laughs> but I, still, I still don't have yeah. the official count, L. I'm, I was counting on my hands when you was doing the name. I would I think like, it would be 11 10? of you. Or is it 11? <laughs> what is the official number of DeBarge children? 15. <gasps> Yikes. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. Your mama? Your mama? Your well, mama? My mama, 11 or 10 with my mama. Well, see, my daddy was a rose. But he, yeah, he was, he was something else. He was having children while he was married to my mother. And check this out. He see? was bringing them home. I'm sorry. What now? What, what was he doing? What would you mean to bring them wow. home? He says, he says what? Oh, by the way, meet your new brother. Yeah, he pulled the fences. Uh, how'd you know? The second he said. That's what he said, Yeah. Wow. They tell my mother. To I know that experience. I, I had to meet one of my brothers that way, <laughs> like yeah. when I was nine. Wow. Yes, I have two. I wow. have two older brothers. Yeah, just <laughs> one day casually uh, meet your brother. Different oh. time, different time. That's different. old. School. That's old school, right? You get shot for doing that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the women, yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now it's like make room for your brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, make funeral plans. <laughs> right. <laughs> for, your, that, for your father. For your father. <laughs> Do we put them into the singing side of the DeBarges too? Like the other, your father's kids? Or they well, just did there? Well, the singing side, that mostly came from my mother. Okay. My That's what I figured. Yeah. Is there, a, I was going to say, is there a DeBarge that does not know how to sing and won't get angry if you agree with that question? <laughs> 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 They don't get angry. They know it. They know it. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. I think if Elder Barge is in your family, you know if you can sing or not. I think you have a, I think you have a pretty good benchmark of, of what's singing and what ain't. But if it's no, just I mean, one, I, 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 I was just curious whether or not, like, that sort of, that kind of epigenetics works with yeah. talent as well. Like, yeah. if the entire family is blessed with the voice, but only maybe six or seven are blessed with it, and, you know, the rest are. 
not that lucky. I always want to know. It works like that. Genetics work the same way. Although I will have to say this. I don't know if you find this interesting or not, but my father, the timbre in his voice um, mixed with my mom is what helped to, sh- is what helped to shape in, uh, my tone, um, mm-hmm. really. Because if you ever heard my father talk and sing, he used to sing Brownhouse, you would know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. You could hear a mixture of his tone and my mother's two plus two equals what I, mm-hmm. what I have. Wow. I was going to ask you, El, uh, how do you preserve your voice, man? I saw your the Instagram Live uh, concert that you did where oh, you were playing. Okay. You sounded amazing, man. That was so, it was it was fantastic. And yep. um, me and my wife, we watched it. We put it on the big speakers, like everything. It was great. And um, I just want to know how you preserve your voice, man, because you're still singing all those songs, still in the same key, still with the same clarity. Oh. How how do you preserve yourself? I, I, will, I will have to say Lots water. of water. Yeah, I drink, but I love water, so... Um, but ultimately, you know, having gone through what I've been through in life, we we all know it was it was it's the grace of God, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. God's got His hands on you, man, and uh, He's got His hands on you, and He He preserved me. I mean, water. What I've been through, water alone couldn't have mm-hmm. wouldn't have been enough. It was it's God, man, you know. And uh, Amen. You, you know what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. <laughs> You can want to pass the offering plate now. <laughs> <laughs> we usually pass it to him. So pass it All right. Uh, so back to my question. How how did the transition to California happen? Yeah. Okay. Well, Bobby, <clears throat> he was missing. And uh, we didn't know where he was, honestly. Um, he just walked off one day. I think he was like 18 years old. Yeah. And right. a month went by, no Bobby. Two months went by, no Bobby. Come to find out, this whole time he was in California, and uh, and he was with Group Switch. Him and uh, please Greg. don't say you saw him on television. Like, oh, there he is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not that. But, oh, whew, okay. But, um, we found this out like a year later. He was gone for a year before we even knew where he was. And my, you know, my mother was hurt. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, but we did hear it on the radio. Back then, there was no internet, none of that stuff. So, you know, it was kind of hard to figure out where he was. But he just left. I just took off. And then uh, next thing you know, Tommy was gone. But he had sent for Tommy. Right. Um, all this was like his big secret. He wanted to surprise us. But it took him a year <laughs> to surprise us. But anyway, he got with Motown and uh, uh, got to give Greg Williams credit because he helped put all that together. He was... Do you have a, a relationship with Greg Williams? Because even now, as we speak, um, you know, members of of Switch uh, have reunited to you know, still do. And I'm trying to figure out how are they mm. doing those songs without Bobby there. But I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how does that work? No, I mean, but nothing, nothing against nothing, hey, nothing against uh, Philip Ingram. That, was, Ingram. Ca- that I mean, was Caddy. That was that Caddy. I mean, but it wasn't a lie. It wasn't no, a lot, but <laughs> so it's hard. But I, I, I was going to ask: okay. Has there ever, has there ever ever been a conversation about kind of uh, a quasi amalgamation of oh, DeBarge and Switch of DeBarge mm-hmm. and Switch? Ooh, I mean, I mean, whatever you think, L. Break that down for me. Mm. Have you 
in your life ever saying, uh, I call your name. They'll never be, or (laughs) I call your name, or calling all girls, or I want to get closer. And have you, do you have a relationship with Greg Williams where you two have talked about collaborating? I just always wanted to know was there a direct relationship with the Switch camp and the current DeBarge camp? I'm scared of this question. Oh, no. Don't be. <laughs> I can pass this question. Oh. No, no. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> don't take me serious. I try to be a comedian at times. Okay. It doesn't right. work, but I try it anyway. But anyway, water break. <laughs> It's a real question. It's a real question. <laughs> I didn't know. Man, I, I didn't know there was water under that bridge. Yeah, My bad. Man, man <laughs> no, no, had no. to go to the Evian. No, 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 no it's cool. Hey, well, look, you funny. <laughs> but listen, uh, switch. It's not. I don't feel some type of way about it or nothing. But um, I mean, I love. I love Greg Williams. He's like a brother to me. They're out singing. Okay, put it this way. Sometimes when I'm out doing concerts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, the promoters do this. So I look up, and the next thing I know, Switch is opening up for me. Oh. Mm. Oh. They trying to force it. They trying to, yeah. Oh. Force a moment. So I did I did hit upon something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, it's happened quite a few times. And uh, I don't know if you think they're trying to say, tell me something. Or <laughs> I mean, do you, feel, do you feel like it would be sacrilegious for you to sing your brother's songs? No, I do sing my brother's song. See, that's that's the cool thing about it. Okay. I do it in my show, and then we'll switch opening up for me. Oh, shit. That's a double. That oh, conflict of interest. And then when I do it, you know, I'm going to bring it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. So we got to talk to Greg because he doesn't. Well, no, well, no, there's no. There's. I'm going to be cool. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. We can leave it at that. It's yeah. fine. Well, what do you think? Have you heard them sing? You heard, you heard, you heard the show? Or? Well, no, it's, it's, I just recently, and shout out to a DJ Soul Sister for bringing back the, the Switch movement on Instagram. Yes. Um, yes. Shout out. I, I will, I will say that, uh, I saw one clip, but I didn't watch it long enough, or I guess I didn't want to watch it long enough to get disappointed. But this is what I do know. I do know that Philip Ingram, uh, his voice is in fine form, and maybe eight-year-old Amir is just dreaming of the day where that Ingram voice and that DeBarge voice meets again at some point in this lifetime. Mm, so, in some way, yeah. That was that was my lofty <laughs> way of asking: Has that ever come up in the last twenty years? Like sometimes you have to be blunt with me, and some things go over my head. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, oh, I get it. I got you, but no, you know what? That would be great. I would love to sing with Philip. Philip is Philip. I like. I love his voice. Yeah, he's a master. He's a master. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling. Uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So how was, how was the, uh, the door opened so that you guys could also sign to Motown? In well, 81. Bobby, um, he sort of tricked me into coming out here because um, I really didn't want to be uh, in the group. I wanted to stay in Grand Rapids. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but I did. I, you know, I was young then. So he said, well, L, I need you to come out here and just play for my second album, uh, the I Call Your Name album. <laughs> so I was excited then, you know. Because first he was saying, we could start in this group, DeBarge. I can't be in DeBarge because I'm stuck in the contract with Switch. I never really wanted to be in the group Switch that long. That's what Bobby said. He said, my dream was to have a family group. He said, but they extended our contract, picked up the option. So I want to do it through you guys. He said, Al, I want you to be the lead singer. I want Bunny, Randy, Marty, so on and so forth. I didn't want to do it. So Bobby didn't want the group to get started without me, so he put it on hold. But he got me to come to California when he said, help me with my album. And uh, I'm a Bobby DeBarge fan. So when he said, help me with my album, I was like, okay. He wanted me to play the piano. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to play piano. I'm going to switch the album. <laughs> so he got me out here. And he said, okay, I'm glad you're here. Now we're going to have a meeting with uh, our managers, Jermaine and Hazel Jackson. 
So um, I need y'all just sit and wait for me while I had this meeting. So we're in Jermaine's office. This is big, beautiful, white, baby grand piano. Man, it was pretty. So me, Randy Bunny, Marty, James was even out here at the time. We looked at it, we, I started playing, we started singing. We sung about two or three songs. And then we heard hand claps. And we looked behind us, Jermaine and Hazel standing there. And Mr. Gordy. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and that's how Bobby had tricked us into an audition. <laughs> it, it was, ah, gotcha. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen an office? Have you ever seen an office where the walls open up like a door? Like you look <laughs> at the wall and then it just opens up. No. Uh, wow. I've seen that at Will Smith's house, yes. Yeah. So then the rest of us I've say no. It. I've seen it in movies, yeah. I've <laughs> seen it in movies. <laughs> Which is I the same seen as Will life. Smith's house. <laughs> so that's where it was in Jermaine's office. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I didn't even know anybody was in there because all we saw was a wall. But it was <laughs> office behind the wall. So they they were standing there the whole time with the wall open. And uh that's how we auditioned. And so I'm like, okay, you got me, Bobby. And we was on a roll, and everybody made me feel like, hell, you got to do it. Come on, you got to do it. And uh, I've always wanted to just stay in the background for some reason. I never wanted to be lead singer. I never wanted to be out front. Why were you so shy about that? I've when always, clearly you're the leader. I'm brave. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm brave. I, um, a lot of things that I might be uh, reluctant to do, I'm still brave enough to do it if I know it has to be done. I'm that type of person. Uh, if it's got to be done, I'll bring it. So I saw the big picture then. I was like, well, I got to do this for the family. But to be honest with you, I'm glad I did do it. Because my mind, I changed my mind down the line somewhere, and I was happy that, I, yeah. that Bobby saw fit to uh, trick me into an audition. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about working on that Switch album, did you do the vocal arrangement for the... Um, the we are sending you this message to the the intro the is that you? Um, or are you playing oh, on it? No, no, not that one. No, that's uh, Eddie Fluellen in the group. He arranged that. Ah, okay, okay. But I played a uh, piano on um, I call your name and uh, shit. Yeah, just a little bit. Bobby then Bobby took over and played piano. I love you. Bobby can really play the piano, man. He was really he was really good. It just hit me what I forgot to mention. Um, I was talking to Jimmy Jam right before, uh, about an hour before we did this. He told me that without no doubt, and you know, of course, he's worked with literally everyone by now, but he said that without no doubt, you are probably in his top five uh, favorite clients that he's ever worked with. And he said that especially... He said that you would often um, just sit at the piano and just start doing chords. And he he himself was just like, you know, as a piano player, that you you have to admire someone who he was talking about your chord structure. He knew you had gospel training with a little bit of jazz chops, but really like made it your own. And he just said that one of his favorite things as a professional producer is just sitting watching you. And I guess speaking of like not knowing someone's behind you watching, like Jam would say that often, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that that was his favorite thing in the world, like wow. watching you do that. Yeah, that's a big statement coming from. Yeah, Jam. that's a big statement coming from Jam. You, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Wow. 
Did you ever play any other instruments, L, like bass, guitar, or was you primarily just focused on piano? Um, saxophone, um, violin, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Saxophone, violin. <laughs> that's about it, shit. That's right. a lot of most. Because <laughs> everybody played the clarinet in grade school, right? Right, no, the recorder, yes, the recorder, not the clarinet. Yeah, the recorder, right. the recorder. <laughs> Fuck that! I played the clarinet. And the, well, look at you, Bill. You are. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and you know what was what was an interesting um, song that, that I did. Honestly, I did it because uh, my man Suzanne DePass and Tony Jones were my managers at the time. Oh man, mm-hmm. they, they thought it would be a good idea. That's the only reason why I did it. But um, speaking of not doing things because you can't really see. Sometimes I don't see all the way through, and I'm glad I've had direction, and I was humble mm-hmm. enough to take it from other people because it was a good move. But remember, who's Johnny? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Short circuit too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And tried to look the other way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't want to do that song. Basically. I know that. I could tell. Then, oh, you could tell. Oh, that's- <laughs> I just no. I could tell. No, you know what? Let me explain. Oh. Let me explain. I could tell because in my mind, I knew Elder Barge, and although I love that song, in my mind, it didn't. It just didn't go with what. No, right. I, no. But I, well, I, I, I have questions about that first solo record. But uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I feel. I don't want to skip it yet. <laughs> but go ahead, finish. Finish your Hughes County story. Well, that's case in point. So for the first uh, solo record, now you go ahead, and I want to hear it now. <laughs> what? Well, Oh, okay, before okay, before real quick, did you want to do the facts of life episode? Did you want Ooh. to do that? Wait a minute, y'all skipped so, in. Okay, yeah, I go to okay, his, right, his right. brothers and sisters first. As- Chronologically, <laughs> okay, you right. Yes, you he right. did not go solo yet. All this love, you right to me. I'm here for all this love conversation. Okay, yeah, we're we're not even on the first record yet. All okay. right, let's go to the first album. Okay, sorry. Uh, how long did it take you guys? Did you guys have those songs already for your very first record? People tend to think that. Uh, All This Love is your first record when actually that's your second album and the DeBarges that came out in 81 which weird enough, Queen of My Heart and uh, Share My World are originally on that record Yeah. but what, how much uh, time did you guys have to prepare did you even have meetings on like who gets the helmet, like how are decisions made as far as Mm -hmm. what goes on the album, especially when it's between siblings well, what we did, we had we had a project manager, uh, Iris Gordy, Barry Gordy's niece. Every album yes. we did, she was the project manager. She, what she would do is she would come in the studio and say, "Okay, who wrote what? Put your names out on this writer's split sheet. Who wrote this? Who wrote that?" So we would all put our names out next to the songs we wrote, and then I would turn in the credits. Who sung what? We had a deadline that we almost never made. Share My World and Queen of My Heart, as you said, right. that was on our first record. You're right. It was it was record out before right. uh, the All This Love album. Mm-hmm. So I put it on, um, what album did I put it I put it on In a Special Way. Well, you put Queen of My Heart on in a special way. Yeah, and Share My World, too. And right? you put Share My World on uh, Rhythm of the Night. Oh, Rhythm of the Night. Okay. The yeah. reason why is because hmm, we had a deadline. Now, we had another song that needs to be recorded. For the In a Special Way album, but Mr. Mm-hmm. Gordy said, "Nope, you got a deadline. It's not gonna make it on the album because you you got to still do the vocals. It's not gonna make it." And he was real strict about it. He said, "It's just not gonna make it on the album." But we needed another song, so I said, well, "Let me pull another song from from the first record. The first record. <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> just put it on and just remix it, right?" Always wanted to do that. Okay, <laughs> I see. I and see. Uh, 
the, the credits and stuff will get mixed up sometimes. Like, like for instance, Stay With Me, you know, my name's not on there as a, as a writer. Mm-hmm. But I wrote it. Uh, Marty's name was on there. And uh, I hope that got fixed. It didn't. Wow. It's okay, because Marty just forwarded everything to you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So at the time, you're thinking like, oh, stay with me is like some really cool filler. And this this won't be consequential to my life in the next 25 years, will it? No, I never think about that. I I love to stay with me from the beginning. See, Marty, when he came to me, he said, Al, I need you to help me write this song. And he had had the hook. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. I said, okay, Marty, we got to. Got to do more than that, though. <laughs> <laughs> needs, needs some variation, right? So, so um, he just laughing in my hands, and um, and I I started really feeling it. The chord changes started; it just started coming to me. So I wrote the rest of the song, and um, I went in and recorded it, sung it, and he loved it. And but my name's not on it. <laughs> wow! I just hope that the publishing was fixed, at least that much, <laughs> because. Nope. And at no point was that considered like, hey, this is good enough for a single? Yeah, I mean, I thought so. But uh, you have to remember, DeBarge was going through a transition with Motown at that time. I was becoming solo and Barry Gordy was, Motown was pushing them to the back. Right. Started a lot of controversy in my family. Okay. No, but. No, you're not ready to talk about that yet. Not yet. (laughs) There's a method. I think. You know, I I actually think it's it should be noted that uh, there was once a time where a song like "Stay with Me" was just like a regular song, like just yeah, it was like a B side. Yeah, just like oh, a throwaway. Which was, you know, considering the state of music now, you know, that that's that's amazing. That, that would to be me. too much. Yeah, yeah, that you're would right, be. You're right. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's, it, it was treated like a single, though it never was, right? Right, exactly. No, I would, that was my favorite. Even when I brought, when I, when I got that record, that that was always my favorite DeBarge song. Uh, side note, guys, side note, as I say this, for Silent Treatment, one of those remixes, we attempted kind of a, a Stay With Me-esque attempt. You did? With the one and only... L won't get this, but uh, Lai and Fonte about to mimic, uh, about to lose their minds over this. Uh, with the one and only Richard Nichols singing the hook. Ooh! <laughs> Ooh! She gets it. I got a like No, we were, I mean, back in 93, 94, where like you had to have like five remixes on the record. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I have that 12 inch. Wait, I, have, I have them all. No, no, but way before before One More Chance came out, we we actually stopped it once our boy told us that Big L had used because he uh, used it on MVP. Yeah, he used it right on MVP exactly. On the album. When he yeah. told us that, then we like put it to bed. But we did. There is a Silent Treatment remix completed with Richard Nichols singing <laughs> in a high falsetto. Like the DeBarge. Oh, go, go. Oh, and he wow. couldn't sing it but our whole our whole logic was like well old dirty bastard can't sing so this is hip-hop like just do any this is back where you could just do anything in the name of quote this right. is hip-hop so yeah i, bet it was I, I have to fight i bet I it was banging though real. yeah bring it back but, i bet it was banging 
No, not really. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, not even a beat. Not even a beat. You know, yeah, we 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 uh, used it for something else, but nah, we 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 put it to bed. But you know, I when Biggie blew up with it, I got salty. Like, damn, I had one. But, <laughs> we had one. You know, but it was it, yeah. you know. Uh, but act. You, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned her name because what what was Iris's like? Iris's role. I know. I know you said she was Barry's niece, but what was her role at Motown? Because anytime someone from Motown made an appearance on Soul Train, Don always figured out a way to shout out Iris Iris Gordy in the audience or watching or whatever. But was she always the product manager and? Yeah, she was uh she basically she was she was um she was very musical she loved being around music all the time mm-hmm. so i guess that's why barry gordy uh kept her as a project yes, manager. nepotism in the black people yes yeah well she yeah. You know, yeah. and she did she she knew what she was doing too she was okay. uh she she knew what she was doing she was was the appearance with jermaine in 81 the first time you guys were on national television you guys did soul train once before you did it on your own as DeBarge, but kind of as like. Okay, did we do Stop, Don't Tease Me? You when- did Stop, Don't Tease Me, and you did I Like It back when that was like <laughs> maybe a throwaway song Stop, or something. Don't tease me. Right. I love it when you remind people of their past. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> just, just, just in case you forgot. Stop. Yeah, you were you were a tuxedo. Stop it, Alice, too much. <laughs> you were a tuxedo with no jacket. Bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> Wait, Okay. This is, uh, I hope I don't get trouble for this question, but I always wanted to know. So you guys are a family unit, your own Motown. Obviously, of course, when you're thinking of the, the lineage of Motown and being a family, of course, the J word is always going to pop up. And, you know, you're associated with one of those J words with Jermaine. But I always wanted to know, like, why? Because the one thing that you guys rarely did was choreography. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're not mad at me for asking you this question. <laughs> no, That's but the opposite. like, no, 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 no. I take it back. When you, when y'all did, uh, baby, won't you come quick? Y'all, y'all had some moves together or whatever. Is that what you call it, moves? <laughs> yeah, but that's the one. The one thing that always puzzled me was that I knew that they were putting so much energy behind you guys, but it's like the one thing. You were the first Motown act that I saw presented as a five-person group. <laughs> no choreography. As a family. No but you guys never had a, a choreography. Like, not since, uh, what's what's the, 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 Charlie the boy Atkins. band before? Oh, no, oh. what's the boy band now? But uh, The one that Harry Styles was in. One, one Direction. One Direction. One, one Direction. When I saw One Direction on SNL, they I don't was dance. like, wait a minute. This feels familiar. I was like, fuck, the barge. <laughs> Why? You're the first person to draw that comparison. Absolutely for well, sure. No, 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 no. It's just for that real. I'm for used to seeing <laughs> I'm used to seeing five people act out a part in unison. Do, yeah. yeah, doing these intricate things, and you guys <laughs> never did that. Wait, wait, where y'all at? Y'all in Philadelphia? Hey, hey, but book me a flight to Philadelphia. No, right now. I'm in New York right now. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm about to pull up. No, 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 no. I'm about to pull up. <laughs> but you know I'm telling the truth. Like, why wasn't why, like, why didn't you guys go through that? Yeah, that uh, uh, uh I guess you could say uh, Charlie Atkins phase of mo. Like, was that gone by Motown by now? Like the whole 
The, El- Elvin a- the Elvin Ailey space. Yeah, the Charlie <laughs> Atkins, all that stuff. Okay, well, you know what? I was wondering the same thing. Um, I think it's because a lot of us couldn't dance probably. <laughs> I never thought of that. Okay, two left feet. No, we, no you know, y'all can move. Yeah, but they they got they they brought choreographers in and um it was like it was a joke. It was a joke. Like, <laughs> the choreographer started crying. <laughs> no, I, I, I no, I, I fell down a rabbit hole where I just looked at every DeBarge clip from the, even the McDonald's commercials, everything. Oh yeah, we was it was so corny. And just noticed that you guys were just two step on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Even in rhythm kind of the of, night, yeah, you really think about that video. Yeah, you just two stepped on your own. Okay, you just grooved, which I mean was cool enough. Your your voices were were perfect. You guys made up like no one complained. Like oh, they're not y'all look good too. Remember y'all were singing your asses off, right? But have you ever have you ever seen any of our live shows? Okay, if you haven't, back in the day, my brother Marty mm-hmm. was all over the stage all the time, and I know this had a lot to do with with the choreography thing. Because I remember Suzanne DePass and Barry Gordy saying, like this, just throwing hands up. <laughs> no matter what we, what we did, how we would rehearse, no matter what kind of choreography we did, Marty would step out of the choreography and come up to the edge of the stage all the time and start kicking his legs around, doing karate. Throw, uh-uh. I'm serious. You know, and it's, it's no secret. All you do is watch some old footage. You'll see it. And... Uh, well, that was a thing mm. in the 80s. And it's like, it's okay, so much for the choreography. <laughs> he would do it all the time. <laughs> and James and Randy and Bunny would be looking at him. And then next thing I know, he's standing next to me. And I'm at, I'm singing solo. I'm like, Marty, what are you doing? Yo, I'm so <laughs> glad you said that because I had part. Do? What are you doing, Marty? What do you think you feel? Marty, get out of <laughs> Wait, wait. Oh, okay. Slight confession. I had a part two to that question. Okay. Well, I wasn't going to ask the second part unless you answer the first part. My second <laughs> okay. part was definitely your brother Marty. Everybody was, was kung fu fighting. Was known to do some crazy. <laughs> stuff. No, well, hey, I, uh, I got to remember one thing about Marty. Quest. He does his homework. Quest, no, twice, twice, Marty. I have two clips of Marty where he will, whatever. Like, uh, okay. There's a. Well, there's here, a is a Marty wearing the pink shirt in the All This Love cover on the All This Love album cover? He could be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's him. Whatever. All the, yeah, he's right in the middle. Yeah, yes, I knew loud. that. I knew that. Loud. He was wearing. It. <laughs> yes, that's Marty. Okay, got it. I'm just wanting to get everybody a reference. No, but there, there's there's uh there's a I forget what song it was. It wasn't you where it it was a song where it has a guitar solo in it, and it wasn't you where it well. It might have been, uh, oh, baby, won't you come quick? But he took this like Hendrix esque guitar solo. Without without a guitar strap at that, so even then I was like, "Wow, he's doing that without a guitar strap." But he was like on his knees, on his back, and everything. You guys were two stepping, <laughs> like doing your regular two step thing, whatever. But in my mind, I was like, "Wow, he's really going over the top with his guitar solo." Like, right. exactly, really means this shit. But, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to you being <laughs> nice about it, <laughs> right? But in concert, were you guys doing like? Was it like that as well? I totally forgot that when we did the Babyface episode, he told us that you guys opening for Luther and when the deal was on the road with you guys, that that was your 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 shows were incredible. In his in his words, that they were incredible. But I was basically asking about Marty. Like, did he always do those over the top solos in concert as well? Every show, 
every concert, uh. each and every concert. <laughs> every concert, and um, wow, it's it was it was amazing. I it's because he would always say that he wasn't going to do it no more, and then would do it. <laughs> we had to have meetings about it, group meetings, serious meetings. All right, listen, man, you do the ride, ride, ride. We made up rules. We start. Well, you're gonna get docked. All this stuff. He right back out there. <laughs> Yo. Oh, my God. I've been dying to know this. Okay, this this is what makes this show nah. worth having. I've been <laughs> dying to know this answer for decades, and it happened just like I thought in my head. Yep, you're right. <laughs> right. What, I mean, what were those early tours like once all this love came out? It was our first time out there. You know, Motown, they... they well, Barry Gordy, he, he tricked us, too. We didn't know. <laughs> you guys got tricked a lot in your career. <laughs> well, no, this, but this was, kind of, this was kind of a cool one, though, here. Okay. We, didn't know, we, we didn't really know that we were that popular because um, all we did was we got up in the morning at 6, and the limo was outside uh, waiting for us, and we drive up to Barry Gordy's house. We stay there all day, and then at nighttime, limo will take us to the studio, then from the studio to home. Next day, repeat, same thing for months and months so we didn't see anything we didn't we didn't know what was happening on the, in the outside world we was just studio rats man and mr gordy's house studio sleep so when mm-hmm. we went on on that first tour man they were telling us well you got to work really hard the album's not doing that great uh you know they said, well, it looks like on the charts it looks pretty good it's like it's doing pretty good to me they said well you're, you're an airplay hit you know back, back then that was thing called being an airplay hit mm-hmm. You wasn't really selling that many records, but you was just playing a lot. You know what I mean? Maybe airplay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I said, okay. So they said, so you got to work really hard to get these fans to come out, uh, you know, do the best you can. So we get out there, man. We get off the plane, and we get ready to go to our first show. No, before we go to the show, we had to go do a, an in-store. Remember the in-stores? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we didn't, yeah. think, we didn't think nobody was going to be there. They told us, it'll be, be a few people here. If you Just be nice to them, you know, because... They came out in the snow, so be nice to them. So Is this like, Detroit? This was, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know the story. <laughs> I read about this in Ride On Magazine, but go ahead, go ahead. Finish. Oh, yeah, your memory. What do you, is this the one? Uh, I, uh, Cynthia wanted to drop something about like fans going like, crazy, almost tearing up the place or whatever. But oh, no, 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 not that, not that. Not I know that. something happened in Detroit not that, that no. let you know that you guys were celebrities. Well, what happened was, um, actually, it was New York. It wasn't Detroit. It was New York. Okay. The snow was real deep. And uh, the limo got stuck in the snow. So we got out and started walking because they said, well, the in-store is only two blocks away. We walked in the snow to the in-store. And uh, finally, the limo pulls up. After we get there, he got unstuck. So we see all these people, and I'm thinking they're for somebody else. (laughs) We all did. We was like, oh, okay. You yeah. just casually walked up like, who are y'all here to see? Who, who else is here? What other celebrities? Because <laughs> <laughs> they ain't here for us. We ain't that popular. Y'all tried to walk in the front door? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then they, we had to get back in the limo real quick. Oh, wow. And then they start rocking the limo. Like this, Holy pushing shit. the limo going up. This was in the snow, man. Now, for us not to be popular, 
So they tried to tell us that. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to trigger us. And then we went from not being popular in our minds to having some really, really avant, energetic, motivated fans. Because they was rocking that limo. I'm telling you, man. Mm-hmm. They was... Was y'all prepared for that? Like, had, had Bobby no. or anybody prepared? Like, no, we wasn't prepared for that because they told us, you know, you're not doing too good. You, but I mean, when you finally, when you finally realize you're doing good and you got all these fans, were y'all prepared for what came oh, with no. that? We was in the snow. Um, one of them was pulling my hair, asking me for an autograph, and I'm looking up at it like it was you know, the ice. <laughs> we literally, I was on the ground. I was on the pavement. <laughs> and then I'm looking for Bunny. I'm trying to protect her, and she's up against the car. And then Marty's back there, loving it. He's got all the girls. He's like, "Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, come on!" <laughs> and this is pre-security, pre no security you know, entourage. Oh, no, security or... was busy. Guess what? Security was busy doing. What were they doing? It was trying to save their own. Man, <laughs> 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 yeah, you know what? You have you honestly, you had a whole bunch of New York fans. You you know how it is, New York, mm-hmm. New York, yes. and they tough. And um, security was trying to keep them back from the barricades. Man, they ate the security for breakfast. <laughs> wow. El, can I ask you a question? Because you mentioned this earlier on. We were talking about growing up and you were kind of like in Grand Rapids. You were fighting like the black folks, the white folks, you know, because you were mixed. I love that you say half breed, such an era. Anyway, uh, but my question is like, what did it feel like now that people are looking at you and thinking y'all are the most beautiful, talented people in the world? These are black people, white people. Like, how do y'all mentally... Or do you just leave at what happened in Grand Rapids in Grand Rapids? Uh, you know what? We always wanted to be accepted, especially by uh, black people. We have we have uh, my mother's side of the family is all black, so we, for that reason, we like cleave to them because we just wanted to be accepted by black people. Like, because um, we we were told you ain't you ain't black, and uh, and then white people <laughs> you ain't white either, right? You know, that's how it was in the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. Real controversial. But um, so when we got accepted by our cousins, you know, our black cousins, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that's when we first discovered, what do you mean I'm not black? I am black. Black comes in different shades. For, for a while, we didn't know what we were because my mother didn't talk about it. We didn't talk to her about it. We didn't like to worry mom about this stuff on the way home from school, fighting and stuff. She would never know it until one of us was bleeding or something. Uh, right. But other than that, we kept it from her. Well, my dad knew, but um, shoot, we had to protect him. <laughs> really? Oh, because y'all oh, was in, wow. the, in the black neighborhood. Yeah we, yeah, we had to protect him. But um, so when we, especially when we got with Motown, because it was, it was predominantly a black label, mm-hmm. it was just proud to be black man be around among our people and uh and then and then um to see so many people of color at our concerts and stuff we we always had a pop appeal um it just came natural for us so you know uh we would cross over anyway but mm-hmm. a lot that had to do with color too in that way which is yeah yeah yeah, yeah light white what do you say light bright and almost white yes no don't be hating now <laughs> i'm just laughing because you can't yeah. say that in 2021 it's like never <laughs> yeah, but you know what? And, and my brother Chico, he was real adamant about it when he was coming. He was like, um, he's younger than me, but he taught me about the word hue. You know, hue, H-U-E. He said, mm-hmm. like hue, man. Mm-hmm. Like different shades of, of one color. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that was a real, it may not seem like a big thing to some people, but it was a really big thing to us. And so, you know, like to be around uh, dark-skinned people, man, 
our people was like, and they accepted us. It was like, it wasn't no thing to them. Just said, yeah, you black. We said, yeah, but you just don't know where we came from, what we went through. To hear you say that, man, it's like, I almost want to pay you. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I want to ask a question about, uh, particularly about the song, All This Love. Was that written specifically for Marvin or was it just influenced by Marvin? Um, It was written for Marvin. I wrote it. Um, my brother Randy, okay. wow. you know, the way we write, we, we, we write off of each other vibes. Randy was just sitting next to me, and uh, I love Randy so much, man. That's my that's my cat. Uh, his personality, his spirit is so beautiful, man. If you, you ever be around him, you know what I'm talking about. So um, just because of that, I just felt I had some problems. I'll do that. No one could seem to solve them. <laughs> it came to me just like that, Quest, out of nowhere. The word and the feeling. And I remember uh, it felt so good. I felt like crying. It was just felt so good. And um, and Randy said, "Man, that sounds like something you should you should write for Marvin, man. You know, you should write that for Marvin." So I finished the song and I I took it to Mr. Gordy, and I said, "I, I wrote this for Marvin," and he was like, eh, "No, no, <laughs> no, that's what." So Marvin never heard it. Gordon Barry, he shot it down. Marvin, Marvin and he left by this time also. Yeah. Well, no, I found out that Marvin did hear it when I met Marvin. He, oh, I found out he did hear it. What did okay. he say? What Marvin? What would he say? What Marvin said? Well, he only heard it because somebody at Motown had got it to him. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to mention no names. I know who it was though. When I, <laughs> I ain't gonna tell. But Someone then, kind of blocked. No, no, somebody okay. got it to him. Somebody oh, got okay. to Marvin. Somebody slid Somebody. to him on the low. Shout out to her. Suzanne. It's here. <laughs> I was <laughs> It's 40 years after the fact. You're you right. You're right. <laughs> well, anyway, um, but by that time it was on our album. And uh so when Marvin, when we did the Motown 25, that's when I first mm-hmm. met Marvin. And mm-hmm. he picked me up like this. I don't know. Have you ever seen the pictures of that? He picked me up in the air like he was like, Wow. Really? Oh wow. Yeah, and I was shy, man. You should saw me, man. I was like, like a little, a little groupie. <laughs> I, I had my head down. Like, Marvin Gaye, this is Elder Barge. I was like, hi, you know. So he picked me up like this. He said, "So this is young man that everybody says sounds like me. You gonna give me trouble, boy?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. As a matter of fact, you, you see the pictures. They're on. The, they're on. They're on the internet, right? I gotta search that. Wow. Yeah, that guy. You know, he got me like this way up in the air off my feet. <laughs> wow. I, I have a question about the, uh, the, all this love record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, this, of course in 82, this, this could just be like an everyday thing, but I mean, these are monsters that you have on your rec on your record. Like, first of all, Benjamin, what was it like working with Benjamin? Well, even before I get to Benjamin, Wright. Almost. How did you what wind up producing just, uh, or at the helm of producing this record? I, I would assume that your brother had a lot to do with the first record. What was the meeting that changed the, the personnel and the process on All This Love that was different from the first record you did? Because I knew what I wanted and um, it seemed that nobody else did. Um, I tried to work with other producers, but the songs was going in the wrong direction. And and it was it wasn't a problem with them for them, they knew it too. Uh, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, a couple of producers said, "Hell, you should do this yourself." I was, um, 
that's the only way the song is gonna stay the way it was born. You have your own ideas, you have mm. vision. And um, so I wanted to produce it myself then, but uh, Motown wasn't gonna let, let me do it. Um, they said, no, you don't have any experience as producer. Uh, you don't know what you're doing. So um, it was um, because of Stevie Wonder. Biography. To this day, I thank him for that. He, he, um, he told Mr. Gordy, because um, Stevie heard, he came to the studio a lot and he would hear what we was doing. And so I said, Stevie, they won't let me produce it though. So he went to Mr. Gordy. He said, if you don't let these guys produce it, you'll be making a grave error. He said, because it's very special what he has. And you should take a chance on him, let him do it. That's what he told Mr. Gordy. And, he, wow. and they, they did. So dope. They did because, and it, it was really because Stevie had said that, you know, and I, I thank him for that to this day. Because from that point on, I was, um, I didn't really know a lot, but but I learned it as I was going along. And my brother Bobby taught me some things, but there's something you have to get from yourself. You know what I'm saying, Quest? Right. You have to get it from within you, within you. And I had to find what that was through trial and error, whether it was going to be a mistake or not. It just, mm-hmm. it just would have been a mistake because it was something I had to do. At the time, did you know? Okay, so first of all, like Benjamin Wright is doing horn arrangements and stuff. He he did like the string arrangements on uh, Michael Jackson's "Off the Wall." Justin Timberlake, yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, and Justin Timberlake's uh, "Till the End of Time," record. all that, yeah, right. Swag together, y'all. <laughs> but I mean, also with like, uh, I mean, it's not often that you see like a like uh, Russell Ferrante's name. From the yellow yeah. jackets. Oh heck yeah! Or Freddie Washington. Yeah. Uh, the, the the you know the the, the ready Freddie. Ready Freddie from uh forget me not you know forget me not. Yeah, I'm gonna let you say. Albright. I'm gonna let even, you say. Even uh Rick Scott, Daniel Lam- uh, Lamel. Yep. How did, how did you get all these monsters? Daniel Lamel, the sax player. You didn't say Ricky yeah. Lawson. Yeah, Ricky Lawson and Ollie Brown. Richard Heath. And Ollie you, Brown. You, yeah. you had all the monsters on this record, which yeah, Ollie again, and Jerry. I know in '82, that was like. That's whatever. Everybody was was at the top of their craft. It's yes, we're in a we're in a place now in 2021 where there's such a drought of talent that it's just mind baffling to me that <laughs> all these great talents are on one record. When yeah, to I them hate- it could have just been a Wednesday Thursday morning check. But how did you even did you have relationships with these musicians in the beginning? Yeah, my brother Bobby was uh, responsible for that. Um, he knew all of them. He okay. he knew all. He got his Ricky Lawson. Ali Brown, uh, Leon and Dougal Chancellor, uh, right? Uh, Harvey Mason mm. played on some stuff. Uh, Paul Feliciano's Jack- doing guitar solo and all this love, right? Yeah, him and Charles. Oh. You remember Charles Faring? Yeah, yeah. Him and Charles Faring. To be honest with you, Charles Faring played the solo first, and okay. it was Iris's idea to bring uh, Jose Feliciano in on it. He was on Motown at the time, right? Yeah, he was on Motown. He so, was sign, yeah, signed in 82, 80, yeah. Okay. She said, let's just try him. Let's try him. I know we got Charles doing the solo already, but let's just try and see what Jose could come up with. So we blended the two. A lot of people don't know this. We blended them both together. Wow. Oh, okay. man. That's Charles okay. and Jose playing at the same time. At the same time. A lot of guitar players find wow. out, figure that out when they try to play the solo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. It's not that easy. Okay. It sounds easy, but it's not. One one more question. So I I know the name. Um, I know that 
either she did well she's listed under vocal arrangements i'm assuming that maybe background or whatever i don't know but the linda howard that's uh mentioned here that was linda howard formerly of high energy correct yeah yeah wait, wait which song was it though um i don't well it just says uh vocal yeah, arrangements sure. linda howard that's just so random to me I only ask that linda howard is the first person i ever wrote a fan letter to wait when a minute. i was what song eight was years that? old <laughs> what song was that though that's interesting uh, no, it's just listed on on the album, not not. Oh, okay, I get what you, I get what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Honestly, so, uh, did you have a, did you have a fan crush on her? <laughs> I I I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was a high energy fan. Actually, speaking of Motown 25, even even though uh, some some person sort of ate the energy up in the room for that particular night, um, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> That uh, you know, <laughs> for a lot of us, also our our favorite moment on that show was the kind of debarge, high energy mix up of uh, he's a pretender, and I forget what song you guys did. Uh, we did can't stop together. Right, exactly. Yeah. What what was it like doing Motown Twenty Five? Oh wow! Well, besides Marvin imagine, picking you up. No, no, I know. Can you imagine though, all of the talent that was there? It was tense too. It was it was tense because um, we were kind of like almost working on CP time <laughs> because uh, I can <laughs> because you very gorgeous. It took five hours to shoot almost. What does well, that mean? Just to get everybody just, together. Suzanne DePaz is so great, man. I mean, she the relationships, the way she deals with people. People didn't want certain artists didn't even want to come back and and do it and be a part of it, but Suzanne. With her gracious self, she was able to talk them into doing it. So because of that, time was getting away from from us, and a lot of them decided agreed to do it at the last minute. Michael didn't even agree to do it until mm-hmm. the, until the last minute. Right. Yeah. So, you know, imagine you on a, a schedule of time. It's television. You know how that is. So it was a lot of tense, a lot of tension going on around her. It was everybody was. It was crazy, man. But. I didn't even know how it was going to turn out the day we actually did it. I was like, is this going? <laughs> Were things shot separately or was it oh, shot man. concurrently no. in a row? Was it straight concurrently? Okay. Yep, straight through. Man. Yeah. <laughs> y'all got that dance step at that time, though, y'all. Oh. <laughs> right, I was going to say, that's <laughs> the time <laughs> where. Biography. <laughs> Can I redeem myself with the dance? Biography. <laughs> Can I redeem myself with the biography? <laughs> yes. Please. You did yourself. Have you seen the real love video? A real love video? Yes, I've seen it. Yes. Yes. No, you, 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 no, you, you got it together. You got yeah, it. Now, together. now say something. Say something. You got dope, bro. I didn't say you couldn't dance. I just say y'all didn't work with a choreographer. That's all. Big difference. Big difference. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. 
I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We should mention I like it. I mean, oh, I don't want to yeah. yes. yes. skip <laughs> any classics. I like it. Love and what love was the process of way. writing that song? Um, Brandy um, was playing the bass over and over again. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Just over and over again. And he kept singing. Ooh, you know, my brothers, they, they do this to me all the time. They, they have one part and they sing it over and over again. And then tell me to, right? to finish the rest. Finish it. So, yeah. so Randy, but, and I don't mind doing it, but. um, The lucky number seven. That's where he, lucky number seven. Let's go to Vegas. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's what he had. And then, um, you know, I wasn't going to leave it like that. We had to come up with a verse, and then we did. So I've been thinking about you quite a while. You know, it just felt right, man. It, it, I love writing with Randy. He's His spirit just makes you want to write. So um, that's how we came up with it. Okay. I, I was going to say that uh, the process, I like it's one of those songs in which I think there's two totally different verses. It's yeah. almost like the Saturday love thing. Yeah. Totally different hooks, too. Huh? Right, but it's it's still... But it, it somehow in my mind, I feel like it's two different hooks, two different verses, but it's just reinterpreted different. And I actually, I, I actually admire that process. Like, oh, I hear what you're saying. When we brought back the, fair, the first verse to second, right? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. 
I admire that trick and I wish I I could master that. But, you know, Chico told me that he was the first one to tell me, he said, L, you're the only one I know that can do that and pull it off. Cause I did it in all his love too. Mm. Wait a minute. Baby. Yeah. Oh God, yep. you're right. Baby. Baby all, baby all. Oh wow. That's a problem. Yeah. If you yeah. just sing it different, you, ah oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't notice that till right now. I wanted to ask you about just your writing of uh creating of Love Me in a Special Way because I just I I love that song that was just um I had like a lot of memories to that as a kid. Like what was that what was that like when you made that? I got good memories of that song. I was driving on the freeway, uh headed west, one oh one. I was on my way to Billy Preston's house. Mm-hmm. And Oh uh, wow. Okay. And it was a traffic jam and that song just hit me. You would you know, traffic jams in LA. A song like that's not supposed to hit you. You supposed to, something mean is supposed to hit you. <laughs> right. But that song just hit me, man, and uh the chorus was in my head. And I couldn't wait to get to Billy's. I said, I gotta I gotta get to a piano. So I remember getting off the freeway and trying to take the streets, because he lived way mm-hmm. in Mulholland Drive, way up in the canyons. And uh, when I got there, I said, Billy, where's your piano? I mean, I gotta play this really quick before it gets out of my head. And I was playing the chords, Love Me in a Special Way, and seeing uh, just the melody that I had at the time, I said, "Ah, nah, this is—it sounds too gospelly. I, I ain't gonna do nothing with this." What? And I looked at Billy, and Billy was crying, man. I mean, not crying, but he had a tear rolling down his nose like this. Wow! I just looked like this. I remember looking like this, like, "What happened? <laughs> like, why is he crying?" And he said, "Man, that's beautiful, man. Record that, man. Please record it." <laughs> <laughs> but. It, I it's the song as we hear it, L, as we heard it, you played it for Billy, the song that we hear it right at birth. Yeah. yeah, that one. I did the same thing with Time and Reveal. I didn't think it was, I thought Time and Reveal was too corny. Remember I told you at the beginning of our talk, sometimes right. you can't see all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, because, uh, you know, he's like, ah, I like it, but ain't nobody gonna like it. So Chico said, man, are you serious? Time Reveal, that's the business. Yes. I, I said, it's too corny, man. Nobody want to hear what can I do to make it. Because <laughs> at the door, yeah. you know, Rick James, and you know, give it to me, baby, and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, nobody want to hear this. He said, man, just do me a favor. Just record it for me. Will you do oh. it for me? I said, okay. I'll so let you know that you're the apple of my eye. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who's, whose decision was it to give James his looks for uh, the In a Special Way? Because he got more lead on... Uh, Side, I'm so old school on side one uh, ha, you know with, with Be My Lady and Need Somebody well yeah James uh, James has always danced to his own beat marched to his own beat um, he wasn't in the group at first you know on the first album right on the very first right. one right. and uh, I fought for my little brother to get in the group I, I worried Mr. Gordy to death about it I pestered him every day I started putting James on songs and Letting them sing so Mr. Gordy could hear it. And finally, uh, they signed him up. He was by all this love album, he was in the group. Okay. But he was just uh, I don't know. Uh he just marched to his own beat. He's just different. Yeah. I like his what James has a really nice tone in his mid-range, but he doesn't like to sing there. He likes to go up high and it's yeah. kind, of, kind of piercing. Yeah, James, he did a record, um, and I know we'll get to it. James did a record, I mean, years ago with DJ Quick called The Divorce Song. 
Yeah. And when I heard the song, I thought it was you because I just heard it. I didn't Ooh. have the credits in front of me. I was like, yo, this is, I was like, hell, killing this. And then when I saw the credits, I was like, oh, shit, this is James. James, right, right. That song. So many times I had, mm-hmm. baby, I ain't got nothing to fool to you. No, no. Get on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All um, I want to do is there's nothing wrong with my kids so we can get along as long as to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for the, um, in the special way album, Especially with touring behind it. I know you guys toured with Luther Vandross. What was that like? Amazing. Luther Vandross was like uh, the uncle and the papa. Uh, he was he was the uh, the coach. He was the principal at school. Right. Um, we was like his little brothers. And he was like, the whole time we were out with Luther, he was disciplining us and teaching us the ropes. I mean... We got on stage a minute late one time, and he Uh-oh. fined us $15,000. Damn. Wait, what? $15,000. He comes collecting? Like, he looks for that? Like, after he say it, he'd come back and be like, where's my money? Oh, yeah. Yep. But see, the thing is, we were in union halls. You know Overages. that? Oh. Right. Overages. So they was docking mm-hmm. him. Ah. And he said, no, nah, y'all got to pay me this. <laughs> y'all, you, can't, you know how it is. You can't, you, can't, you can't be on too late. You can't get off too late. And them union halls, man. And then Radio City Music Hall, that's when we got, whew, that was the biggest fine we ever had. What happened? The barges was on CP time a lot. Yeah, it was, it, Radio City Music Hall was $30,000. Jesus. Because we got on late and went off late. And they pulled the plug on us. And then, Doc, what? yeah, so we learned our lessons the hard way. But Luther was like, he was so cool with us, man. He, I'm telling you, we was like his little brothers. He was cool. He'd take us out to eat every night, make sure we knew the ropes. He taught us everything, man. Um, he used to give us pointers about our show. And he would tell Marty, now, Marty, you need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come through. You need to calm down. <laughs> and, of course, it went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Okay, so a dream. Uh probably, you know, I mean of of your arsenal. I mean, everyone has their favorites, but I know that uh a dream is is somehow like in most of Barge's fans, like that's always in like their their top three songs. I know that was written by your sister, but what what was the process of putting that together? Well, Bunny would always again come to me and ask me to uh do the music to her songs. She always had all of her melodies and and she would even have instrument parts sometimes. Bunny was amazing. If she could play the piano, she would she would be amazing. Um, but she had this part. She's like, you know, but but she said, Oh, I hear that, I hear that. So everyone just comes to you to like translate everybody's translator. Yeah. So then she, she was, but she had the whole song, the melodies and everything, you know. And then, um, so she said, now this is where this part, you know, last night I dreamed you. Then when she got to this part, now here it is right here. In a flash. You know, so uh, we figured it out. So I, I had to write all the music around that. You know, I didn't know back then that music had, writing the music had anything to do with, with writers. Songwriting, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
I thought if you wrote the music, you just wrote the music, but it had nothing to do with the songwriting. Wasn't I ignorant? You're going to learn one way or another. So you, I learned. I learned. But yeah, man, she's still to this day uh, one of my favorite songwriters. So how, how shocked or how pleasantly surprised were you when in the next 10 years or 15 years that these songs would find new life to them where it's like you know and even though we're talking about just a choice few with with a dream stay with me i like it and all this love but i mean it's been those four songs alone have been utilized at least like by three to five different hip-hop classics like i would love to know what bunny thinks about i ain't mad at you what does bunny think about that (laughs) yeah a lot (laughs) Should hope so. It's so I, I, like, I like. I like. I know. Huh? Well, I could kick myself. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I, I didn't just give it. To, I don't understand. They knew you wrote it. We well, wrote others, you know. Yeah. Well, we we. That's on the next Oprah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I like you. You very focused, man. Quest. I like you. Would. <laughs> well, I mean, at the very least, oh, at good. the very even, at the very least, even if you didn't. Get to reap the 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 you know the the, the well, monetary highs of what those songs could reap in. Yeah, well, I mean at least it it's brought timeless. You could perform those songs; those songs would never die. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to remember me. I did, you you asking me what did I think mm-hmm. it would go this far? Remember me, the one who didn't even want to record "Time and Reveal" because I didn't. Right, think, right. I didn't think, <laughs> so you know, I'm shocked of all people because I didn't even think "Time and Reveal" was. Or love me in a special way was were great songs. I just thought it man, was man, love me in a special way. That's my one. Yeah. I, love, I mean, you know how you feel about time reveal. They're Actually, like babies to me. They're like my babies. You know how you feel about your kids. All of them, mm-hmm. you love them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now your vocal arrangement at the end of Love Me in a Special Way, man. Like that shit is so it, I, right. That's just a great song. That man. was my that was my Walter Hawkins influence. Ah, <laughs> uh, <okay>. absolutely. Special <laughs> way, you know. I'm okay. Yes. <laughs> the choir. Right. Yeah. Actually, okay, so when you're when you're giving these like uh these mammoth vocal performances in the studio, like how much pressure is it to cause this is just hitting me, like from till the day you die, everyone's gonna expect you to sing, you know, uh so my darling. Like <laughs> like at the end of a time will reveal you'll have to hold that note forever like yeah how even now it's expect thank god your voice is in fine form but i mean are there times where you, it's like a collective eye roll like oh god can i do i have to hit this note or do you just now are you at the place where you just let the audience sing those parts <laughs> oh no i'm never at that place oh yeah talk that shit you know what i'm saying okay uh <laughs> My voice is, is cool. It's good. Um, I don't have no problems with it at all. Mm. So, uh, you know, all glory to God. But I, it's beautiful. I and I'm glad I don't because I, I love singing. I love singing every note that I've ever sung on the records. I love singing. My brother Bobby um, is to blame for that. He he taught me to end the song in a way, go out with a bang. Mm-hmm. Don't end mm-hmm. it. Don't act like the song is ending just because then he said, keep it going. He said, 
build a song from the beginning to the end. He said, the, mo- the moment it becomes uninter- uninteresting, you're losing it. You know, don't think because the verse was great that that's going to carry you. Make every part its own signature, you know, mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end. And that's, that's why I do it like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. so for Rhythm of the Night, was there a basic strategy? Like, was there a strategy meaning beforehand that, okay, we must take them to the next level now? Like, let's get to that next level. Yeah. And what was the, the results of that? It was, well, Diane Warren and I, we were, we were good friends. We still are, I don't mean like that. But yeah. we were good friends. And um, so we were hanging out a lot. And she was always writing songs, <laughs> speaking of that right. first, yeah. album, first yeah. solo album that we never did talk But so Rhythm of the Night came about. She was just, well, Suzanne DePaz and Tony Jones, our manager at the time, they said, we need to take them to another level. Just like you said. We need, uh, we're trying to build them and do this and that. So Diane, I need you to write this kind of song, Ruti Ruti Ra. I didn't even know what they were talking about, but she did. Right. <laughs> and she sat down and she, and she just wrote that song. and said, here you go. Wow. <laughs> She's that bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know Diane well. Yeah. Why yeah, was that so, the only video that y'all shot? Because that's I think that's the only DeBarge video. Yeah, there was did. no You Wear It Well. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't no You Wear It Well. There's no video oh. for You Wear It Well. Yeah, it's the Facts of Life you know, episode. But go Motown, ahead. Motown was ready to go out at that time. Motown was declining at the, well, not declining. Well, they were. Barry was, yeah, they were. Barry they were about was, to sell. Yeah. Exactly. So all the budgets was being pulled and. See, he saw it, he knew before he announced it, he already knew. He knew during the rhythm of the night what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the artist always pays the price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I wanted to know okay, so this also starts uh, the period of your career, which now these particular ballads, and, you know, I, I can say the same with uh, Love Always and also with uh, like someone. Where, mm-hmm. you know, these are more pop ballads, yeah. Which I dug them, but it kind of starts with "Who's Holding Donna Now." Mm-hmm. Like, did you, yes. <laughs> did you, did you like that? Because you didn't write it. Is it different when you don't write a song and it's just given to you? Yeah, it is. It's different. Uh, How did you feel about it then, as opposed was, to now? I was paying attention to to uh, the people that I felt knew what they were doing. Um, you know, I was new to this business and I had management and for reasons. So I was listening to them. Right. They said, try this, uh, keep your mind open now. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. And so I did. And um, I could feel it the whole time that it wasn't where I was at, you know, uh, but- Despite it being a hit? Despite it being a hit, yeah. And a massive hit at that. Yeah, despite it being a hit, it wasn't where I was at. Um, I was just saying, where were you where the song wasn't? Like, where were you? Where I was at, it was a hit. Okay, so I, that's where I was at. I was with you the hit. You knew it was a hit, right. right. I, I was with the hit. <laughs> no, I was right. with the hit part. I'm with that, you know. That's my, that's where my mentality was. That's where my drive was. But there are, there are, other, there are other kinds of hits. Right. Um, I wanted to write my own hit. Uh, right. And I could have still did uh, Who's Holding Down and Now, but um, I was completely removed from writing, period. 
anything on that album. It was like I was discouraged to, I wasn't encouraged to write. It was like, just let somebody else write. Even despite the fact that you you had a great yeah, track, a track record, record so far, yeah. But in their minds, it was like, those are black hits. Those don't count. Like, you're going for <laughs> pop right now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I know that. That's crazy. And um, if I knew what I know, if I knew then what I know now, but I can say because I kind of did. was hit. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt it. But I said, well, maybe they know something I don't know. Right. And uh, Is that song still a part of your repertoire now? Do you still do that song in your... It's like I feel mixed emotions about it because when I... When I whenever I do it, I'm wondering is is anybody feeling this in the audience? <laughs> right. You know? And uh, but I know when I do the other songs, I you don't have to say anything. I know you're feeling it. Right. Right. But I haven't had the proof because pop to me back then was like a facade. It was like it wasn't real. It was like it was like something that was made up. Like. Pop was the idea. That's yeah, and it's like, and they played a lot of games with the payola and everything. It was like mm-hmm. pop, pop was a word they used to hide all that behind. Like right. you couldn't get any real, any real figures or real chart, real, real ratings. Say, you know what I mean? Not on paper. So I don't even know what pop was. It's just there was a pop chart and <laughs> it had numbers. Right. You speaking but, truth? I, that was an era where people was thinking the same thing. You weren't alone. I mean, because you know, black people. It's a lot of us, man. So it can't be that pop means popular. <laughs> right, right. Well, it was, right. It was just, 85 was definitely a, a sink or swim moment. And, you know. Yeah, sure was. Well and said. And a lot of acts were just, well a lot said. of acts were going on under. So it was, it was like the, tit- the black music was sort of like in a Titanic position, which yeah. you yeah. either got down with the program or you got ran over. Exactly, exactly. And I, and so, I got down So did you feel that way about Rhythm of the Night, even though... No, I love Rhythm of the Night. Rhythm of the Night was the business. I loved it. Oh, phew. I'm glad you said that. I'm like, wow, because so, I, yeah. I don't have happy memories yeah, of it. I love Who's Holding Down and Now. Who's Holding Down and Now is a great song. I love oh, it. Who's Johnny? I, I love Who's Johnny. I just didn't okay. want to do it um, at that time. You don't like Who's Johnny? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, no, I did. I love Who's Johnny. But I was a kid. And also, I was a little younger, too. So it was like a fun song. And I question, it, question, like you got your own Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, well, you actually, like Peter song. Wolf. How did Peter Wolf get into the... Because I know he wrote that. Yeah, he did. Peter Wolf was actually very instrumental in me doing the song. He talked me into it. Come on, really? you got to, you know, do, 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 do. I mean, he was fast, fast, <laughs> fast talking. Talk. Well, I knew it. I was in the mic. <laughs> yeah. When, when I was singing, I was singing with like a proper tone, like, who's Johnny? He said, but, but I'm going to look the other way. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. But, but when you hear it, it's got a lot of energy. That song's got good energy to it. Mm-hmm. I love listening to it, you know. You know, all the Even that weird solo in the middle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> What? Now no, the solo was that the, the little scatty. I don't know what that. I don't know if it was a vocoder or that was you or something. No, it, I yes, I I was I was aboard for that, <laughs> even though you know it was and it was. Board goes too. And if no, you no, like the even, song, you'll love the movie with your boy in Indian face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fisher Steve. Oh, I forgot <laughs> that was associated with Short Circuit. Damn. Yeah, I it was good. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait. Okay, so Fonte asked you earlier about uh, the facts of life. So 
that's my sentimental favorite because when I first got a VCR, that's probably the very first thing I recorded was your appearance. <laughs> on. I will never go ahead. Go ahead. On the facts, of, no, it's it's it. I I will never ever ever have anything bad to say about the facts of life because I love the girls. They were they were so cool. They were so cute. We were like family. We 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 stayed cool even after that for for a long time. And plus, that was my first time acting with uh, George Kim. Clooney. Oh, that was that yeah, it was. That's right. Yeah, I, yep. I get to say I was on. I did. I was on. I did something with George Clooney. I acted with George Clooney. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know that George Clooney on there. Oh yeah, right. that was before yeah, that was man. Just, I remember. Yeah. So I can put that in my name. resume. <laughs> so, question: Were you guys supposed to have a, a bigger role in the Last Dragon? Or did, did I read that wrong? Were you guys actually supposed to be in it as opposed to just Vanity playing the, the video? But I could have sworn, like, I, I first saw, like, uh, uh, when they, they were talking of the movie being made that you guys were actually in it. I don't know if that was correct or incorrect. I don't know. Actually, okay. I don't, it's possible. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know. It wasn't never awkward that Susan DePass was management and she was so connected to Motown. I'm sorry, I just I'm yeah, gonna... yeah. It was that a conflict of interest at all? Yeah, yeah it, it was. It was. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was experiencing. I was experiencing a conflict of interest mm. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't know that's what it was. But that's what I. I okay. I have, I have huge experiences of conflicts of interest. At <laughs> In general, are you in a good place with her now, or? Yeah, I was then too. Uh, okay, just a bit. Yeah, and uh, she she's a guest I, that we would uh, like to get on the show as yes, well. Yes, very much so. Yeah, so in general, like, what was it like working with her? Um, an education, uh, a constant reminder of uh, the worth and the value that you have. We never left her presence, and same with her cousin Tony Jones. They were management together. Mm-hmm. Both of them uh, never left their presence feeling low. You always felt extremely great about yourself. Uh, you always had a better sense of who you were. I mean, this was every time I was with them. Okay. What's up, man? So what was the process that finally ended, uh, at least at the time, the, the lineup that we knew of DeBarge in 85 that led to your solo career the next year? Like, uh, how did that... Was there a conversation the work, had, or was it just like? Well, the work ethics were were majorly different between me and uh, my siblings. Right. I was always in the studio, and they were rarely showing up. Okay. So Motown saw that, brought Mr. Gordy's attention, and then next thing you know, I saw more Motown people showing up at the studio. That should have been a sign to me there. And they were just always there because they were reporting back all the oh, okay. all, every time that the family wasn't there and, every, and how many hours I was there. So Mr. Gordy basically made it up in his mind. Before I knew it, we did a photo session together as a group. The album was ready to come out. The album came out, and my picture was this big on the album cover. Oh, so you, and you then, guys didn't decide on the design? No, right. their picture was small. I did, Motown had done that. They had already begun their uh, L.D. Bar solo process, as you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they didn't talk to me about it. They didn't talk to anybody about it. They just started doing it. Man, did that cause some problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine. But at, the, at the time, it, it couldn't have been a thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this one solo record, and then we'll come back in 87 and make something else together. And Well, see, the thing is, when you do a solo album, you, you know, like Rooster today, they do a solo album. One of them might do a solo album, but they're still in the group. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's different when you when you put... L. DeBarge with DeBarge, uh, and uh, and then my picture's the biggest, and then the rest of theirs is small. Right. And it wasn't, and it wasn't like that before. Yeah. It, it's gonna be some problems. Who did right. that? Who did that cause the biggest problems with with you and your family? Oh, he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it caused it with you Supreme, because it put you on the spot. <laughs> who do you take a guess? Uh, was it? Uh, well, it wasn't Bobby. Bobby wasn't in. No, it was uh, James or, or, or oh, Marty. Kung Fu <laughs> Marty. Marty. <laughs> Larry doing this shit. I'm sorry, I could, all I can remember was I blanked. I was like Tapo. Like, I mean, the, he Marty, <laughs> Marty basically spoke what the rest of them right didn't want to say, right. but he, mm-hmm. you know, Marty don't have no problem with speaking his mind. But we would be doing interviews, and he. would in the middle of the interview, out of nowhere, he would say, this is not Al's group. Okay. Barge. And uh, the journalist. But did he not know that wasn't your decision or design? About as much as he knew it wasn't a good idea to be kicking around on stage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. He was going to do it regardless. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it's, uh, and um, it, it just got that way, man. And. It was inevitable I had to go solo. It was really became inevitable then because I wasn't just going to stop because of what was happening. But see, I couldn't do anything. When, when, a, when a record company owns you both collectively and individually. Individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you stuck. You so got to ride it out. You have to play ball, but you're just going to be shelved. And, you know what I mean? So my number one question about this record is you didn't write not one of these songs. Not one. The first solo album you talking right? Yes. Earth, yeah. Why did you not? You know, did you not have anything up the pike or like? No, no. I had songs written, but I was told, but not to do them. I was told, uh, no. We got some songs from uh, other writers that we want you to sing. And uh, so, does that stifle your creativity? It put a damper on my spirit and my yeah, tribe. and your confidence. Yeah. Ooh. Because I, I I really didn't get no explanation for it. It was just like, let's do it. Wow. It's weird though. You know, I know, like the average DeBarge fan won't maybe not list it, but you know, at least with me, someone in love always are like those. I don't know. Like I just love. I love the shit out of those songs. Me too. And even too. though you didn't write them. Those and great. they got much play on black radio still. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard to argue with it because I love those songs, but still, I, you, know. you know. Those are the those are the exceptions of what I, of my list of likes and don't likes. Love always someone, and even who's holding down an album, rhythm of the night. And I don't believe that you always have to write a song. You know, you can you can explore other writers, but right. this was the case where you know, no, don't write. Let somebody else do it. It was that was that's that's a different approach there. But Love Always, the great Burt Baccarat and Curl Bear Sager, um, mm-hmm. they actually- Oh, man. Now, tell me if you can hear this, because Burt told me that he 
pattern that song after all this love. Really? So they, they Bert and Carol specifically they wrote that. Uh, pattern love always after. Ain't that some shit? I'm sorry. I, mean, I, was, I can hear it. No, I mean, I mean it's dope, you know. but I'm just saying. But they patterned it off of his song that he wrote, but he wasn't allowed to. But write yeah, they won't let him write song. the irony. Right. No, no, well, well, no, well, Bert. Not them. Not the Bert. Not Bert. I'm talking about the lady. Okay, Motown. You talking about? Yeah, okay. Motown. I'm talking about Motown. Yeah. Okay. I feel or back racks the shit. I'm not. I'm not saying about no broken back racks. Well, see, I don't know whose idea it was, but I don't know. I I can't point finger at anybody. I just it is what it is. But it was an honor. These are some of the great things that happened that uh, make up for some of the not so great things happening. To have Burt Baccarat sitting in front of me telling me something like that. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking about Burt Baccarat, okay? Like, I mean, real. I love all this love, LT Barge. I love all this love. And I wrote a song, Curl and I, and we patterned it after all this love. And it's called Love Always. Mm. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Again, one of the times I didn't get it, but I, I got it. I was, could you, could you hear, can you hear that? Because I've been listening, I'm like, well, I mean, see, know, I don't see the pattern though. I don't see it. There's, there's I mean, texture. Maybe. There's texture. This is the first year the DX7 came out. So <laughs> even though you used a real, no, you used a real Fender Rhodes, but it's, <laughs> it leads, it, it leads with the, with, with a well processed road sounding thing but you know era, but, right amir like it sounded like that that lead ballad from the movie tap with my yeah, man I, cool I, again. I, yeah I, I fell in love with that song the first time i yeah, heard all it. i want is forever yeah. yeah. oh yes honey with regina bell and uh mm -hmm. jt mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. wait did jay did jay graden uh and peter wolf produce that first record entirely the first album solo album yeah. uh-huh what album was Peter Wolf? Wait a minute. Who's well, John? Peter, I, I know who's Peter Johnny Wolf. was on the rhythm. Who's Johnny was on the rhythm of the night album. Who's Johnny? No, who's Johnny was on your your first solo record. Oh, that's it was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, okay. but working with Jay Graydon, who's like who's the A and R at Motown that decides like okay, this is going to be your producer? And did you at least get a? Mm, I don't like this song. I don't like this song. What else you got? What else you got? That sort of thing. Like, I I don't know who. That's the thing about it. When we talked about the conflict of interest, right? Uh huh. Between Tony Jones, Suzanne DePaz, and Motown. Okay. That whole, I don't know who it was. Just to let our listeners know, Jay Graydon like wrote everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, but like just <laughs> yeah, the sound of like George Benson that that mm -hmm. mid eighties George Benson. Uh, Turn your love around, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. The breaking exactly. away record and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like he he was involved in all that. He and, also, um, David Foster. He also wrote after the love is gone for Earth Wind and Fire. Yeah, yeah Jay, I was going to say David Foster, David Foster with David Foster. But Jay Graydon, I do like him though. He's 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 a good producer. Did you know Jay Graydon? Uh, he produced the song on me, the song that Prince wrote that uh, I did with uh, Kenny Rogers. You're my love. Yeah. Wait a minute. Time out. What's the connection there? Okay, Prince wrote the song. For Kenny Rogers, right, and, and wanted me to sing the ad libs around it. Really, and, and um, Jay Graydon said, "Well, he's not going to do it unless you, unless you sing." And I said, "Okay." I <laughs> so you're singing on that? Yeah, I'm singing around him. I didn't know that. You know, I I've not I've heard Prince's demo of it. I've not heard the actual Rogers one. It's beautiful, man. Final Kenny Rogers one. I got to look that up. 
Yeah, it kind of, I come in halfway through the song and I'm singing around him. And um, Jay Graydon, he, he did a good job with that one. He, okay. did, he did a good job. He's a great producer, man. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, question. Since you mentioned real love, is real love directed at someone specifically? Mm -hmm. And because you gave, (laughs) in that song, there's two obvious references there's a, there's kind of a Janet reference and what I assume is a Jody Watley reference. It was that was it directed to someone specifically? Wait, did I hit did I hit a nerve? <laughs> you wrote the lyrics. You wrote the song. Okay, now look at oh, shit. Okay. You you can always say I can't answer that question too. Like no, you no, don't, no. you're wait, not obligated to answer. Okay, it. but it depends on which part. I don't mind answering this. Wait, did I hit on something? 
because I don't feel like real. I never once felt that real love was just a ri- a random song based on those lyrics. I was like, wait a minute, that's a reference to da 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 da. That's a reference to da da da. This song's about someone. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> you're turning this into a new I'm, show. It's like Questlove Song Detective. <laughs> <laughs> right now, people, I, I just did the radio Raheem fist pump in the air after I won the the radio battle. You're like a forensic okay, psychologist. If you cannot, if you cannot name the person, what what can you tell us about that song? It was uh, it they it was puppy love at first, and uh, and uh, am I the first person to ask this question? Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. It's so it's, wait. It's, it's so Captain Obvious though. Like, how come no one is ever bothered to ask you this question? But it's not my relationship. I just about somebody else. Never mind. Your brother. Who? Oh, okay. I Mitch. I I thought you were being a a, a, a intercessory. I thought you were being a a, a, no, a conduit no. for you. No, your I'm, brother. Okay. I'm just no. I'm just making it not so obvious. That's all. Okay. I'll stop talking. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, not like that. Not like that. I'm just, I'm making it more uh, mysterious. I don't want to kill the mystique of it. <laughs> this is like talking to a mirror. This was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very circuitous. I mean, you know, we, we, we haven't word. really said it yet, so let them figure it out. <laughs> you think, okay. You think they will? Man, I wish I just knew the name. Now I feel like Fonte. Just know, say the I, name. I, I, no, I have an idea. I, I think I know who it is. Okay, say it. Say it. Say it. Who do you think? Uh, you say it, and I'll, I'll admit. Say Fonte. Go ahead. Janet and James. Janet and your, and your brother. Okay, there it is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there. All right. Cool. So, 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 your second album, Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 the Gemini album. Nice segue, Fonte. Thank you. <laughs> so, the Gemini album. Uh, you you're writing everything. The, bro, you're writing again now. Uh, how did you get the reins back? How did I get the what back? <laughs> I, I was saying, how'd you, how'd you get the reins back? Like, how'd you get control back again in terms of writing your own material? Well, let me see. In terms of putting it on an album, you mean? <laughs> yes. Oh, right, right, right. Releasing. Um, because, uh, I don't know, actually. Well, you know what? Motown, a new staff came into Motown, actually. A new staff did. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, under the direction of Deborah Sandrich, she was head of the uh, A&R department at that time. And the A&R department took over all of the recording sessions. They, so she, she came in she, as a fan. So she was like pro-L. <laughs> right. And uh, so I was back. The kid was back, baby. Yeah, it was back. And you know, you remember that the era that's that's when uh New Jack Swing was kicking in real hard. Yeah, you had your two dancers. You Yeah, man. You was kicking well, it. Here we go again. Here we go. No, you you was kicking it. Here we go, Agrafi. Bring it back. Let's make fun of dancing. Judy, go ahead. Yeah, the Judy from Time Life. Because you're the such Judy a good from dancer. Time Life, uh the Judy from Time Life, my prerogative microphone. Nah, I, I was yo, dude. What's the last time you jumped up from the drums and started dancing? I think you should stop <laughs> making fun of people. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not there. making fun. He was kicking it. He was sure you were. Come on, get yeah, I, wasn't hell. I wasn't no Speaking. Bobby Brown and no Michael Jackson, but uh, you know, I did a little stuff. No, you did your joint. <laughs> you did your joint. Wait, Don't speaking of back, me. speaking of back, we have to mention back on the block. 
Yes. Oh please, yeah. Please. Yeah. Secret Garden. That's Secret Garden. I would have kicked myself. Yeah, I forgot about it until right now. Can you speak of that? It's that, that that whole experience. I think I've seen you guys only perform that song once on the, I guess the Soul Train Awards. But what was that? What was that process like doing that? Doing the song and just working with James and 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 Barry White and and yeah, uh, I'll be sure. It was a trip because Quincy, he tricked me. <laughs> yeah, I go, Yo, okay. man. There seems to be a theme going on. Gary Gordy tricked you. Bobby Quincy, tricked you. Your brother tricked you. Yeah. Yo, seriously, he tricked me, man, because I guess, I, you know, just call me a trick, okay? So, <laughs> Are you trying to tell us that you thought this song was all to yourself? No. Oh, phew, okay. But I did, I did think that I was doing a warm-up in the mic. I did. Wow. So, you know, oh. No, guys. You easily we, got L. I don't know. <laughs> no, but wait. This this is not the first time we heard this story. Besides oh, besides oh. performing late at night, Quincy is world famous for just, just like even it. your warm-ups are being recorded. And yep. Okay. So you know. Is that what I'll be sure said too? So two other people said this about Quincy as well. Oh, it was uh, it was Greg Finnegan's. He said on the um, yes on the One Hundred Ways solo, he was sleeping in the studio, and Stu, uh, Quincy was like, "Hey, sit, play yeah, on I'll this. I'll come back later." Right, and they just woke him up, and he played that line, and that's that's what made it on the record. Well, you know what? But Quincy said Quincy himself said that you get a better, honest performance when the person doesn't know that they're being yeah yeah recorded. But you know, and then again, I've, I'm I'm guilty of being a perfectionist too much so we probably would have been there all day i remember we were up for two days though before we went in the studio writing a song we were at rob temperton's house and uh, and i was nervous because he had that all his rock wilders they were just walking around <laughs> we're trying to write secret garden rock wilders i'm looking at oh boy is that one nice <laughs> he's nice isn't he <laughs> but um and then uh me and saidi garrett and quincy we just up for—I mean, literally two days. We would eat, take a quick nap, and get right back to right because he had a deadline. He was trying to be. Then we went straight to the studio to sing it. I was like, "You kidding me, right, Quincy? <laughs> we going straight to the studio to sing? Or are you playing, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't playing. <laughs> what was he? Um, what was he uh, working with Quincy and even Rod? What were they more sticklers of in terms of songwriting? Were they really like big on? like melody or was it lyrics like in terms of words which would be what would they be kind of be more particular about no everything the really? whole everything um every part was equally important because uh the the wrong word within a verse could throw the vibe off mm-hmm. and then when it came to singing the wrong expression of it of that word while you sing it could Mess the whole verse up, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was the same with Quincy. Was like that with musicians too. It is you had to have a certain personality about your playing. And you had to be you had to be a personality when you play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You had to sing on the bass. You had to sing on the drums. It was just everything was just musical and movement with him. Did you, uh, did at the time? Did you know from the gate that you were writing a song? for three other singers in addition to yourself? 
Um, Did you know that you were writing specifically for Al and for James and for Barry White? Not not for Al, because it was supposed to have been for Michael. Michael was supposed to do it. And uh, Word? Yes, I've heard. That I did not know. I thought Al said that. It was going to be me, Michael, James, and Barry White. And uh, Wow. I don't know what happened. I can't remember, but. (laughs) Wow. Mike West Love song Ooh, detected. Set up, set up, Fonte. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine what happened. But I do, I, I'm so I glad we're not on a video. Right <laughs> wow. Uh, I, no, I just had to process process that. In, in no, nah, because if you listen to Al's verse, I mean, listen to Al's <laughs> verse, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> He said he wasn't a singer. He said he was a stylist. All right. And you know, Saida Garrett is a great songwriter. Ain't she? Talk about it. She's really. We had her on the show too. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's boss. Wow. So was the Soul Train Awards the only time that you guys performed that together as a foursome? Foursome. (laughs) Well, (laughs) sorry. As Albie Shore, James Ingram, El DeBarge, and Barry White. Yes, <laughs> the four of you. I like foursome better. Uh, no, <laughs> the, the four horsemen. Wait, that even makes it worse. The Never four, mind. The four, yeah, the four horse- no, no, but it's okay. Um, yeah, that was the first time. Uh, it was the only time we did that together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. That was a moment. That was definitely a moment. Yeah. So with, uh, with Through the Storm... In the storm. In the, in the storm. storm. Forgive yeah. me. In the storm. Yeah. Well, one, you you left Motown and moved to Warner. But what what finally made you decide to go with uh, Maurice White uh, as a production partner on this record? Lack of confidence um, and where, and where <laughs> I was trying that album. In the storm is I wouldn't say it's all over the place, but it's many facets of my influences. Okay. Honestly, my brother Bobby and Chico had just gotten locked up. Mm-hmm. And those were my... Uh, Your rocks? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And to this day, Chico and I were still like that. We, But I was lost, man. I was lost. And uh, it was like they took them away from me. And uh, not to mention what they were going through being locked up, but you know, I don't want to sound selfish, but I really needed them. And uh, mm-hmm. just just for me, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I know how to write. I can write, but I don't. But I just needed them for me, and I was hurting because they were hurting because of what was happening to them. So it did something to me, Quest. It did something to me, and uh, and I'm I'm the type of person I'll never let die. I'm never going to give up. Right. It's just that's not in me. So my determination to keep going, I ran into Maurice White, and. Uh, the album was almost, it was already recorded, but it wasn't finished. Um, he heard it and um, okay. we both thought about it at the same time. It's like, I could tell he was thinking at the same time. I said, I said Maurice, you gotta finish this with me, man. And he said, all right, little bro, I'll do that. Wow, this is up. So we talked to Warner Brothers about it and we started to budget all over again. I was shocked, it was a whole different experience from Motown. How about to say? <laughs> Whole different experience from Motown. And it started to budget all over again. And um, we did it, man. 
and Marisa. Was Benny Medina, was this the Benny Medina era of yeah, uh, Warner Brothers? Yeah, Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah, and Benny was, that was my man. Thank you, Benny. Man, it was great working with Maurice White, man. I can't even get into it. First of all, you know, I admired him so much. And uh, sit next to him. You know, he really he really did have a, well, no, I would say he really did have a glow. He always had this light, this light yeah. in his face, man. I mean, every day he was like, he was just, his glow was on him. I'm talking about wisdom. He was full of wisdom, man. Soft-spoken. And he knew what he was doing, man. Man, you have, you probably, I don't know if you even remember this, but you have inadvertently given me one of the greatest pieces of game about the music business that I don't even, you probably don't even remember saying this, but a <laughs> uh, good, real good friend of mine, my brother, uh, my collaborator, uh, Eric Roberson, he was signed to Warner Brothers at the time, I'm, I'm guessing it was around the time that you were promoting In The Storm, and um, he went out with you on a promo tour, this is I mean, God, man, this has got to be like 91, 92. I mean, this is, you know, uh, forever ago. But um, he said that he would just, that time working with you and touring with you, because he was signed to Warner, but I think he just had like a single out. So it wasn't like he was, you know, up on the totem pole or whatever. But, you know, he was just out touring with you. And he said, man, he picked up so much from you uh, while y'all were out. And he said about that album, which is interesting to hear you talk about it now. He said that he told you like, yeah, L, um, you know, I, I like the album. It's, it's a good album. And he, he said that your reply to him was, well, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's not just a good album. It's a money album. And we make money albums so that we can get to make good albums. I was like, God damn, that shit real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So to hear you describe it in that way, and like he told me this story. And again, I have I don't know if you remember this at all, but um, he was telling me about how y'all were doing a show, and it was something with um, – I guess in sound check and the engineer wasn't getting the sound right or whatever. And, you know, most artists would like be, you know, be hollering and just be going off and shit. And he said, you know, y'all were sitting there and he said, you just kind of talked to the guy and just went over and just, you know, fixed the sound and like opened it up. And he was amazed that you knew how to work the board like that. He was like, yo, L really knows this shit. And so he said afterwards, man, you came over to the, uh, you came over from the board and y'all were sitting down and, and eating dinner and um and he said he asked you like yo well L, like you know how did you learn how to do this and he said you told him listen man he said i could go i could wild out and be all crazy he said but if i did that i wouldn't be able to sit here and have this meal and have this fellowship with you here if i was trying to do somebody else's job you know what i mean right. and yeah. um you know man it was just and i mean he, this is eric he told me these stories i mean this has got 10 11 years ago i mean this is you know a while back and it was even before then but um he just I just always it made me even more of a fan of you of just you just really being a class act in that way and just always kind of seeing the bigger picture. And um, that was those are two pieces of a game that I've carried with me, you know, throughout my career. And um, I just want to thank you for that, man. Wow, man, that's that's amazing, man. I really I really thank you for telling me that because it's good to know that I put some good things out there like that. You know, and you just reminded me of uh, some good values and things. You know, thank you for that. Thank you. Oh, always, brother. I, I, I do want to know, like, what have you, looking looking back at, at your four decades and in, in this career, what have you learned? And, like, do you have any regrets? Because oftentimes, and, you know, I know that you've, you've been open and transparent about 
succumbing to to narcotics and whatnot in your career. And but the thing is that, you know, I also didn't want to paint this as a I don't ever think of, of your story, whatever, as a tragedy story, whatever. And I know oftentimes when you're doing press or whatever and news things and like that's the first thing they bring they bring up or whatever. But just in your four decade journey, what 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 can you say that you've learned that you still keep with you today? And are there any regrets in in, in your journey and everything that you've went through? What I've learned is that's very important uh, has played a very important role in my life was um, this business, this, this, this show business that we're in, um, there's life first. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really fans are, fans are, are borrowed. This fan, Questlove fans, Elder Barge fans, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson fans, but fans are borrowed from one city to another, from one show to another. Uh, I've seen a lot of entertainers. Uh, yeah, a lot of entertainers. I've seen a lot of entertainers. I'm sure you have too. They, 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 they trip. They don't know how to handle the fame. Mm-hmm. They, they trip. Uh, you can tell they got in it for the wrong reason. You know? Right. Um, uh, it, it, it breeds a lot of jealousy. That's a breeding ground for jealousy right there. And, and as they call it, hatred and hating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fans are brought, but before they're fans, they're people. And every, everybody, everybody needs love, man. Everybody needs love. Uh, I don't, it, it's hard for me to look at people as fans and, and groupies because I, I see, I see people, I see souls and, uh, what I've learned is that um, never, never, never get there. I'm trying to explain this right. We're never, always, always, always be on your way. Never arrive where you think this is it. I've arrived. I'm I've gonna... made it. Yeah. Yeah. Never, never do that. Always be on your way. Even when you reach what you intended to reach, the goals you intended to reach, still, still be trying to get there. You know, open your, keep your mind open. You know? Right. Um, I think that's a lot of the reason why um, why I'm here right now today. I'm even sitting with you, you know, because uh, like you said, you mentioned my age already at the beginning of the show. That's cool. <laughs> but in all of these years, I'm I'm here, and uh, and I think each generation can be accepted, and they can accept you. It could be if you just look at people as people, not not fans and groupies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying it because I've I've heard this a lot from other entertainers, man. Groupy this, groupy that. Well, they're, they're people, man. You know, right. and they they they're supporting you. And without those people, you wouldn't be who you are. I like yeah. to call them bill payers too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's a need. There's a need, especially now with with the you know so-called pandemic going on. There's a need. People have needs, man. And um, when you're in a position where you can reach a lot of people. What what you gonna do? How are you gonna treat that? You know what you what are you gonna do with that? You know, How has the pandemic, um, like you know, being kind of being at home and not being able to tour and go out? Uh, how has that affected you? And what has that given you time to kind of reflect on over the past year or so? Well, put it this way: it's, it's good to save money. 
Listen, <laughs> say that shit uh, uh, for real. It's, it's like good. a whole nother damn income. It don't hurt. It don't, don't hurt to have something put up. <laughs> Stay away from Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stay away from Amazon. But um, you know, thank God I haven't gotten you know the virus, but I know some people that have. But you know, I wear my, I wear my mask. And uh, I stay away from people, you know, six mm-hmm. feet, six feet, uh, man. Nice. <laughs> right. Does um, the large family have like a, a, a bi-weekly Zoom? Like, how do y'all stay connected? Which, how do, well, we all, yeah, we I was all, about to say, with, all with kids now and everything, yeah. and grandkids, like, yeah, yeah we all, we, all own, we have our own places. You know, my, my, my children, they, they, they own it, man. They own it worse than I am. Dad, have you, you wearing your mask? Don't come over without your mask. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Man, I just have a question. Chico the Bars, Chico's album, Long yes, Time No See. How involved? Shit. I totally forgot. Listen. How involved in were you in the production of that album? That's one album I'm most proud of. Very. Uh, I was about to say you yeah, were there. You should be. Yeah. Chico Chico came and got me. Um, that was during my time of uh my my narcotic situation. Right. And uh Chico came and got me and he said, Al. I need you to produce this album with me. I'm signed to Kadar, Massenburg, and uh, I'm gonna come out with the album. I need. So it woke me up, man, because you know mm. Chico's my man. It woke me up and it gave me a, something to to do, to live for, you know, to to a reason to want to come up out of the rut that I was in. You know? Right. And um, he got me back in the studio. I started seeing the microphones again. Started getting that feeling again, and the keyboards and the sky was the limit with him. He said, "Whatever you want, man." We had so many keyboards we rented in the heavens. <laughs> keyboards everywhere, man. Outboard gear, and we, you know, we just consumed that budget, man. Yo, but uh, yes, you even start Run that like, shit up. Love still good. Do we do we go love still good? I'm love still good. Yeah, Iggy me. Well, Chico and I. Can, can I ask the history of Iggy me? There was always. <laughs> There was always a piano, and we always keep the tape running all the time, constantly, right. studio, no matter what. So I'm recording, something is. So Chico got to the studio late this day, and I was already there playing these chords to egg me. And then when Chico walked in, uh, I didn't know it, but I heard him in the back of me singing. And the microphone was right there in the control room. That was the gist of the lead vocal right there from the control room. If you notice, you hear me in the background saying, yeah, blah, 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 and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, they tried to compress it out, but it's still there. But he wrote that song just standing over my shoulder singing while I was playing those chords. Mm. It, just, it just flowed, man, from the beginning to the end. Yeah. It's like that. And then um, Love, Still Good, that was very, very personal with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't still tear to- up about the brother line. I still, every time I hear it, I tear up. Yeah, I didn't even come to the studio that day when he did that. He said he said, Al, I want to be in the studio by myself today. I got something I'm going, something I'm going through. Yeah, there was a heavy Marvin influence on that one too, like real kind yeah. of trouble yeah. man, you know. Yeah. But um man, that was a great album, man. That's yeah. When you when you talk about you and your brother, because you know, both of y'all have had, you know, your struggles like with addiction and stuff, uh, how does it work in terms of say, you know, at the time, you know, he came and kind of pulled you out and then is it ever a time like say if he's down you know if 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 he's if he's not sober and you are sober like how does that work uh in in terms of you and your brother he knows he can come to me 
any time. My brothers, in terms of the, the drug situation, the sobriety thing, I'm not really around them that much. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing my own thing, you know. But, uh, you know, I love them all. I really mm-hmm. do. I love them all. And I'm there for them. And they know that. But uh, I'm not really... I'm not really into that where they where they at. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is that more of a protection thing for you, kind of like a self preservation thing? Well, like I got to stay away. It's more, it's more people growing apart. It's more okay. People growing apart and that's real. Their lifestyle and my lifestyle is, you know, I'm still pursuing my career. They they uh they cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> in in the industry, who do you count as your 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 friends or your in, inner circle? As far as the industry is concerned, like who who have you been able to lean on uh, if it's not your family? Like as far as like industry people that are uh, that are you're tight knit with. Nobody comes to mind right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darius McQuarrie is a good, real good friend of mine. He's real tight. Uh, wow. And uh, and um, I don't have a whole lot of. Celebrity friends that that I hang out with, because you know we be tripping. (laughs) (laughs) I like keeping it one hundred, keeping it real. And uh, you know, when I go home, I look in the mirror and I see a real person. And you know, you feel me? Right, I feel you. And um, it's hard for me to be around people that look in the mirror and still see somebody else. See Mm. a celebrity, yeah. There you go. But um, but there are some real people in this in this game too that. They keep it real, you know. They, you know, what I'm saying, Quest. You know, yeah. right. And uh, Quest, that's one of the cats I hang out with. Are you and Quick? Do y'all still, uh, y'all still relate, uh, deal with each yeah, other at all? Yeah, what? Quick is cool. Quick's, uh, he's been doing um, some touring, and uh, especially with this pandemic, man, I ain't hardly seen nobody. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, me and Quick are cool, man. Really cool. Okay. Yeah. So I guess my last question is. What is your next statement or when will you? Well, first of all, congrats on we didn't even really get to stay that much or talk at all about uh, Second Chance. But even with your, you know, the yeah, Grammy nominations and whatnot and and making a, a fine record. It was, it was a great record. Uh, what are your plans as far as uh, doing any more music material? I'm going to. You know what? I'm going to have to put something out soon because I'm in the studio all the time. I'm always recording. I'm not recording an album. You know what I'm saying? I'm just recording songs. Mm. That don't matter no more. I know. I'm saying, right? <laughs> you can just put out one jam or two. Yeah. yeah it, right. It's, it's whatever now. So put that shit on back. SoundCloud right This now. perfectionist that's in me is holding me back. I got to let, I got to loosen up. Yeah, and just it's hard. Push it's it. hard to reprogram. I got right. to songs, man. I mean, recent songs and, and uh, they're bad too. They're bad too. Hey, bad man, you you like? Waiting on them. Let's let's go. Yo, L is never a time when we're not waiting on songs from you. Like never, never. Okay, exactly. Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm coming with it. I'm gonna come with it. (laughs) You know, but then I'm gonna do. uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some touring as soon as the world opens back up. Yeah, I was gonna say, how were you pleasantly surprised by the the kind of feedback that you got over that that clip of? Yeah, I was. uh, I was. I was sitting yeah. at the piano. I, I was, it was a last minute decision for me. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna do it." And uh, where was that done? It was in a record shop. Where was it? Was it in California or in LA? Yep, in, in 
done a record shop, uh, record shop slash studio slash entrepreneur. It's it could be <laughs> done right here. This place I'm in right now. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I love yeah, that clip was that, moment, man, that was that that really real rap, like no bullshit, that concert, that just you know, that impromptu things you did. I was put so a lot of verses to shame. Oh it really? Was, wow. Man. Trip. Oh, no but doubt. if you did do verses. <laughs> how, about, how about if I did a versus with Janet? Stop playing. Janet <laughs> 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 <Ben> Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the catalog is is different and it hurts much, but yeah, I'm gonna need. I mean, it'd be interesting. It would be interesting though, but y'all gonna have to tell some stories. Y'all ready? Yeah, but, now, we gotta can, have some stories. You can't be like, but, well, uh, um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of something interesting, you know? Right, but I, yeah, but even more than verses, I think just you at a Fender Roads just singing. Like in, in the way that, you know, especially with, you know, Prince's very last concerts were in that way, which is him and the piano. It was something really intimate about that. And I feel like it's something that's like super needed right now. So I hope that when this world opens up, you know, Elder Barge, you can. That's interesting. You do that. No background singers, no band. Not a lot of no, people just can pull you. that off. For it's real. It's hard to pull off. For real. That's interesting. Because you got to have real chops to do yeah, that shit. Yeah, you got to be able to play. Honestly, I didn't know anybody would be interested in that. That's why. Dude, yeah, man, dude. we I love that shit. Can I go again with that? You, you, one, one, you have the catalog, and you could do cover songs, and you could do your brother's. Like, yeah, I beg of you. It'd be a long show. I beg of you. Whoever talks you into the comeback thing and, all right, let's audition band members. And, no, oh, I need my background singers. No. I'm telling you, just me and there was something so magical. Just you and the piano, bro. Just you alone by yourself. Think about how low that overhead is, bro. Think about how much money you can keep. <laughs> I shouldn't even put yes. rounds on a on a on a computer or something. Or no, nah, bro. No, Dude, we, we will sing the back. We you will understand? Sing we'll <laughs> sing them with you. <laughs> we will be singing for free. I was singing all the harmonies. You did all this, love. man. I was singing all the harmonies we with that shit, bro. What? Not only not only will the audience sing it, they'll pay to like they'll pay. <laughs> Trust me, you get to keep all the money. Trust yeah. me on this. We won't sound Trust as good me. as Fonte, but yeah, we all. <laughs> Trust man, me. Sing along with Elder Barge. That's man. Come on, yeah. That's the greatest thing. My my assistant Ava, she always tells me that all the time, and and other people tell me that too. But but you're just getting here. Like, how long have you been on social media now? You said how long? Yeah, uh, about three four months oh moment. child that's why he feel this way he got to get his he got to get his legs he don't know how much he loves i mean i've had i've had the account i just it was just there you know? right okay. yeah i i yeah i i beg of you when when this world opens up just you by yourself at a piano just do a limited run see how the trust me okay that's what the world means right now look we can keep you here for 12 hours man but you know we we've had you for the longest and you're in the studio right now so we'll let you create your magic but I thank you from the bottom of my heart for even for real considering this when you when you DM'd me I th- I still even though I knew it was you I still thought it was fake like I had to ask a couple of people like wait is this the real Elder Barge or <laughs> <laughs> this can't be him thank you man thank you for everything you're truly like one of my favorite singers man 
Thank you. I thank you on behalf of me and my father and all the Sundays we spent listening to all this love. Like you have no ideas, the soundtrack of this whole life. Like just thank you and everything afterwards, but thank you. But Ron yeah, St. Clair told me to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And just your story, man. You, it's just, you know, the way that you just, you know, keep persevering and, you know, you just keep surfacing and keep coming back and still sounding great. And, you know, you know, you fall down, you get up, you keep it pushing. And, um, you know, look, we, we, we love you and appreciate you, brother. Just thank you for all that you've contributed, man. Thank for you. Real. Thank you. I love you. Throwing these flowers in your face. <laughs> flowers. More flowers, Bill. More flowers. <laughs> all the flowers. That's the greenhouse. Let's do it. I bought the rhythm of the night 45 when it came out. <laughs> I, was I was like, Steve, we left you out of this. I'm sorry. Yeah, you talk, no, well, you know, he's, he's been talking the whole time. He talks too much. Was, I, I was on mute. Yeah. Shut up, Steve. <laughs> All right. On behalf of the Team Supreme, yeah. uh, Laia Fontigolo, uh, Broke Bill, and Sugar Steve. I'm Questlove. Thank you very much, Elder Barge. We're definitely going to work together too, bro. I, yeah, we got to. Hey, I can't. Yeah, this is what I insist. This Thank year. you very much. I appreciate it. All right, and this is uh, another classic episode of Questlove Supreme, y'all. We'll see you on the next <laughs> go round. Peace. Another one. Peace. Hey, this is Sugar Steve. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.